Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening, and go Cougs. Hey, everybody. It's Tuesday. We're hip-hopping in here. The fifth show. This is this is for Blaine. We, we rocked it out last week, and so we're hip-hopping. Because you were, you wanted ACDC, but we can't because of copyright. Right. So we just had So we know, just have to find some generic. And and I asked DJ, which I think is appropriate, that our... Technical director, director. His name is, DJ. Is, he's a DJ. That's his, his name. He's in charge of the house band. Yep. And so I asked him for a little hip hop, and he he brought it. Here we go. Everybody, Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, we're the Wise Guys, and we're happy to have you coming on with us. And uh, it's been a good week. It's been great weather here in Utah. It's been like October. We went golfing last night, and and it was like sixty degrees. Unbelievable. Felt like it was October. Felt like football season, uh, didn't it? Yeah, and you and I were trying to figure out how to live stream from the golf course, and and we're going to figure out how to do that. We'll take you golfing and, and with take us. you guys out with us, and and we'll just we'll just talk about stuff while we're the, out there. We won't tell the country club that we're bringing all the wise guys <laughs> out out for a round of golf because you know the country club they'll try to make <laughs> us pay guest fees. They say you and the thousand will, and so we'll we'll work that out. We're going to figure that out in the summer, but uh, wherever we go, you're invited to come with us. Uh, and we've got so much to talk about tonight with basketball, uh, certainly football. We're going to talk about Cougar Tales. Um, uh, we may have a movie review. This day in history. So much stuff going on um, that uh, we're glad we have two hours. Two hours of fired up. Yeah, and we reviewed Maverick last week, right? Oh, that or a week ago or a couple weeks but, ago, but maybe. It was, it was good. So, so I did the Jurassic Park one, so we'll talk about that later. Yeah, that's not got great. Not, well, not great reviews. It's it's the problem is is the bar is high with Mavericks so I'm, I'm yeah. just gonna give it kind of mixed. Thor's coming out in a couple of weeks. That bar will be high for that one too. Uh, when you check in with us on our global live stream, make sure you let us know where you're coming from. Dick Harmon's gonna be with us. Yep. He's gonna join us live in yep. a few minutes. He has covered BYU football uh, more than any other person on the planet. You know, he's writing for the Herald when you were playing. He was. He did an article. And that, on me and that when, wasn't just yesterday. He did an article on me when I was a senior in high school. Yeah. So he he called me and and visited with me and wrote this big feature piece before I even came. Wow. Which was really cool. And so I've been I've I've known Dick since nineteen. That was my senior year in high school would have been nineteen eighty, and he was he was covering the Cougs then for the Daily Herald. I was a paper boy for the Herald, delivering articles that. Yep. That he was writing. So he's going to come on, he, and we're going to get his thoughts on media day. It's the night before media day. Yeah, he called the great Al Millette. The sports writer from my hometown, who if you've ever seen the movie The Express, which I definitely recommend, he's the featured writer in the movie The Express because Ernie Davis was from my high school. The first African-American to win the Heisman Trophy um, was from my high school. And uh, and that movie, The Express, is all about Ernie and his great accomplishments. My dad coached Ernie a little bit. If we look a little different tonight, it's because we're messing around with we're our trying lighting. Some stuff. Trying some stuff. See what works. We're still a work in progress. You have to tell us if you think it looks okay. Yeah, we we asked for lighting that made us look taller and thinner. We're just not sure this. You know, we'll see. We'll see if this is it. it um, Mark Actual said he's not sure that Dick has ever won a national championship. Which, but he's covered a several. He's covered multiple. Yeah, yeah. so that that qualifies yeah. him in here. Realized last year we last week we set the standard of you have to win a national yeah, championship to be on to, the show. And now they say we're not sure. 
but the standard is high, and you and I justified it because he's written about national championships. He's covered them. He's been yeah. there and wrote the articles. So yes. that's why Dick can come on the show. So that gets him on there. <laughs> uh, click the box, the little purple box there at your, on your screen there, and that'll take you to Twitch, which will allow you to sign up for free, uh, and then you can ask us questions throughout the night and throughout the summer and the season ahead. Um, you know, so we've got a lot to talk about. It's media day tomorrow mm-hmm. over on campus, and we both have a lot to do with that. But, but before we get to that, there was an article that came out last night. Um, the chairman of ESPN said the Longhorns and the Sooners will remain in the Big 12 through the 2025 season, not just 2024 like it had been widely speculated. But uh, Jimmy Pitaro told the Athletics' Richard Deitch that those two programs won't be leaving early. What does that mean? It's huge, and yeah. and the reason that it's huge is it, it likely means that BYU will get a home and away game with each of those programs. And I don't know if they'll be the same season at home and, this, and then the same season away. Wouldn't it be great if um, in twenty twenty three they played Oklahoma at home and Texas on the road? Be in awesome. Twenty twenty four they play Texas home in Oklahoma because we're talking about on the road's cool. And you and I covered a game, a couple of games down in Texas before. Mm-hmm. We yeah. we covered the one where Taysom jumped over the guy, did the hurdle yeah. at about the fifteen yard line, which still is etched in the minds of Longhorn fans. But <laughs> as it should be, it, it's it's quite an amazing place with over a hundred thousand fans in that stadium. It's really really cool. And Oklahoma is a very special place too. But then to have those names in in this stadium, and you and I were talking yesterday. I said, could we ever imagine if we go back twenty years ago? Let, let's say that on that same weekend that Oklahoma's rolling into town, USC's rolling into Salt Lake City. Mm. Did we ever imagine that there might be, on a Saturday in Utah, SC and Rice-Eccles and Oklahoma at BYU? No, because growing up it was uh, UTEP and New Mexico. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was, and when one was playing one on Thursday, especially in basketball, if the, if the Cougars were playing the Lobos on Thursday, the Utes were playing the Miners, and then they switched. Yeah. That's what we're used to. This, this, is, this, this is, is huge news. This is wild. I, um, I had a chance today to interview Ty Detmer and Jim McMahon. Mm-hmm. We'll hear a little bit from them tomorrow on Media Day over on BYU TV. But, and we'll hear a lot from them during our uh, countdown to kickoffs as we get into September. But it was interesting, uh, as both those guys said, they would have killed to play a schedule. Like BYU's about to play this year for the final year of independence and going into a P5. And even Jim said, we'd only get one big game a year, and that was it, and the rest was the WAC or the Mountain West. And, 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 uh, and, and, and so those guys, the Pioneers, yeah. your friends, your teammates, the Pioneers uh, are looking at that going, dang, did timing's you, everything. Did you talk to Jimmy Mack and ask him if he'd come on the show with us? I didn't get a chance to do that, okay, but I'll, I'll I will. Call him. We'll get him on. Um, so, and, but he was great. He, he taught me great. a lot, and I, I have no doubt. And if you, I don't know if you asked Jim this or not, and I, I know I know what both Jim and Ty would say if you said, but you know, could you have competed with these teams in the Big Twelve? Could could be what you've held up, and Jim would go, "Oh, we could score on anybody." Yeah, like because that offense back in those days when Jim was running that offense, they didn't care who they were playing. It was like take no prisoners. Like we're going to go put fifty up on the board. I remember, I can't remember the game, but the other team scored, and I looked up at the scoreboard, and there was like 3.30 left, and they it, they went up by like by two. And I just looked at Robbie Bosco, and I go, what a bunch of idiots. <laughs> they just they just left Jim McMahon enough time. Like, he will he will score for sure right here. Like, there's zero question. It and, was fun. And he did. It was fun to talk to him, and he's feeling a little bit better. Um and uh, and he opened up pretty good, and 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 uh, we'll have uh, we'll have a lot of McMahon on uh, as we get to countdown to kickoff for South Florida, 
Um, but uh, but yeah, he he yes. loves the fact that the Big Twelve's coming. That independence was was interesting. Um, but the opponents that BYU's been playing through independence and now heading to the Big Twelve, that's what those guys. Even Ty was like, every week we wish we were playing that kind of a team. Yeah, and and I feel like this period of independence has been good for BYU um, to to be able to get them in a position to have the depth and the talent and be used to playing those kinds of teams um, to move into the Big Twelve. It's been really good for them. Um, and uh, yeah, hey, uh, Tim uh, Weddington says, "Are we talking about the leap of faith?" That's what they call. Is that what we call? The is that leap what we're calling down that in Texas? And uh, and Kevin McGee says it would be great to send Oklahoma and Texas off with multiple losses from the new Big Twelve members. Grace I, tuning in from I, the I North it. Shore. Yes, the surf is up. How about that? Thanks, Grace. I'll be on the North Shore in January, so it's a good time to be there. That's awesome. ESPN's TV deal with the SEC starts in twenty four. I think mm-hmm. that's why it was like uh, somehow these guys are going to get out of this deal so that they can be at the start of the current of the new TV deal right. with ESPN. ESPN and Fox are tied into the Big Twelve through twenty five. So the SEC is going to move on with ESPN, and then Oklahoma and Texas are just going to have to join later which will be interesting because you got to negotiate a TV deal without the two blue bloods because they're not in it yet uh, and go a whole season and then and then they come and then the Big 12 has got the guys still in as they negotiate a new TV deal even though you know they're leaving yeah and we we were having some conversations yesterday with some folks we probably shouldn't name who they are but they're a little <laughs> bit in the know and uh, and they were saying that that Texas and Oklahoma as they planned their exit together, didn't communicate with their old partners very well. No. Um, didn't give them a heads up, but just kind of right out of left field. And so the Big 12 wasn't real anxious to say to Texas and Oklahoma, yeah, go ahead and don't worry about the buyout. Um, you know, it, it, and our understanding is, is that it's like close to $100 million, which is not even Texas doesn't want to pay that. Or, yeah, go ahead and go to the SEC, but the Big 12 still owns your television rights. So... So good luck with that because you can play a game in the SEC, but if it's a home game, all the revenue from the television goes to the Big 12. So that's not going to work. And so they're, they're in it for one more year. I think it's great for, for BYU and for these new teams to have them in for a couple years. Um, and, then, and then they can go off to the SEC. And uh, I think it's good for Texas to have two more years in the Big 12 to get SEC ready. To yeah. get, so you, you go in there to compete – a lot of people just think they will because their name's Texas. Well, when's the last time they've even won the Big 12? Right. Now they're going to the SEC. I think they might be going, well, we wished we were in there now. However, we have two years to get our house together. And, of course, Steve Sarkeesian's the head coach down there trying yeah. to do that. Well, we got Tenton for uh, – is that Tenton uh, for Eva? Tuning in from Dallas, Texas. Hello, so, Texas. So they know, they know what we're talking about. Yeah. Longhorns control that state down there. Um, and, and they're a big deal, but they have not played up to the expectations. It's one of the highest revenue-generating programs in the country. The SEC loves that, but they've got to get competitive. And our, and our guy, Steve Sarkeesian, I feel like he's the guy that can do that. I hope so. Yeah. I'd, hey, they can go over to the SEC and win like crazy. That's all yeah. good with me. But we do want Steve to bring the horns to town. Yes. Uh, at least once. And now, and now that Texas is going to be in there for the two years, that BYU is going to be in there. And they've been here, There's but I want, to see Oklahoma, I want to see Oklahoma walk out that visitor's tunnel. Yeah. I'm excited for that. Will they bring the Sooner Schooner? Do they take that thing I on the road? I don't think they can take that on the road. <laughs> I think that's outlawed. I don't know how that would be at altitude, but um, we're going to find out. Tomorrow's the biggest day of the offseason. It is BYU football media day. 
June 22nd on BYU TV and BYU Radio. And um, let's roll out the program for you. It's going to start with the state of the program. That's at 11 Eastern tomorrow, 9 a.m. Mountain Time. And uh, that'll be with head coach Kalani Sitaki, athletic director Tom Homo, coordinators Aaron Roderick and Elisa Tuiaki and Ed Lamb. Jaron Hall, Gunnar Romney, Clark Barrington will be on the show. Peyton Wilgar, Keenan Peely, D'Angelo Mandel. That'll be uh, quite a show. I'll be hosting that one for the 11th straight year. So that's how the day begins at, uh, at 9 Eastern time. Now, there's some things that we, we'd, we'd love to find out in that. Uh, there's still a game to announce for the 2023 opener. Um, we're curious about how Notre Dame tickets are going to – what's the word on that? I haven't heard of anything on that for this October down in Vegas. Right. Um, and then there's kind of some uh, – maybe some balancing. You, on one hand, are so excited to be going to the Big 12. On the other hand, you've got maybe yes. the toughest schedule in school history waiting for you in the ind- in the independent era. Yeah, that's it, – it's it is a balancing act because you don't want to get caught looking forward – you have to focus on this upcoming season. And guess what? This schedule is probably as tough as any Big 12 schedule they're going to have. So they've got to manage this schedule and keep this momentum that they've had the last couple of years to roll into the Big 12. So, yeah, we can talk all about the Big 12 on Media Day, but when Media Day is over tomorrow, they have to just focus yeah. on this year and this crazy schedule. Also tomorrow, we'll have a special look back at BYU's history of independence. 4.30 Eastern Time, 2.30 Mountain on BYU TV. We're going to hear from Blaine, Jim McMahon, Steve Young, Ty Detmer, Trevor Maddich, Chad Lewis, Kalani Sataki, Tom Homo, Greg Rubel, Zach Wilson. Zach's going to roll out his Super 6 plays, his Super 6 moments from independence. Dave Brown, who was the mastermind behind ESPN's partnership with BYU throughout independence, all going to be on the show, and that's going to be uh, that's going to be really cool. Yeah, and, and are we going to find out? Are we actually going to find out who the opener's against? I don't know. I don't know. I think a signature needs to be signed. Yes, yeah, before we can. We've been, we've we been waiting and hearing that we could say about who the opener is going to be, but the contract's not done yet. So we'll see if tomorrow maybe they'll surprise us and we'll get. Let's hope. We'll get maybe Dick that. Harmon knows. Let's bring him let's, in. Let's ask Dick, Dick Harmon. has been covering the Cougars longer than anyone alive, and he's, he's really not that old, so that's saying something. He started at the Daily Herald before moving to the Deseret News, where he's been holding down that for a number of years. You can read his work at, at Deseret.com. It is an honor to welcome Dick Harmon to the Wise Guys. Dick, good evening. Testing one, two, hey, there three. you there are. There we go. Hey. Dick, we've got you. Did you find the mute button? Welcome to the wise guys. <laughs> yeah, I had to put it on the system microphone. There's two uh, <laughs> microphone choices here, so we're good to go. Yeah. Yes. Hey, the beauty of this global live stream is uh, we just kind of roll with, yeah, with how it goes. It's very, it's very casual. And, and there's a lesson for everybody joining us. If you ever on a Zoom call, into go with the system microphone. That's, that's <laughs> the lesson learned from this. So. Hey, Dick, what... Uh, what are the storylines going into tomorrow? You just put an article out in the Deseret News talking about some of it. What are you looking forward to hearing the most? You know, I, I, I think there's there's probably two big elephants in the room. One, of course, is the Big 12. What's happening? Uh, what preparation is going into joining that league? We've already seen a lot of things that have happened. We've seen some additional staff changes. We've seen an interjection of some money, a renewal of the contract of uh, Kalani Sataki. There's probably a lot of things that have happened that they're not talking about, but maybe they will um, tomorrow. And I'm looking forward to asking and kind of delving into that. The other thing I think is probably NIL. I mean, NIL right now is a hammer and a wildfire 
all over college football. It's changed the way coaches think, the way they recruit, the way they have to counter recruit. And I don't know if BYU is going to get that tall in the weeds with that, but I do know that they've been after some recruits that have been offered a tremendous amount of money, $250,000 in some instances. And uh, is BYU going to match that? Are they going to play that game? Do they have some things that the – they just say they're team wide and we're going to stick with that and we're not getting a bidding war with anybody. But yet I know that Mark Pope and both Kalani Sataki are finding out that the kids are, that's one of the first things they say is, Hey, what about the NIL money? What yeah, and that, and that, so is that going to Dick in your mind, is that going to ruin college football? If a kid comes on a recruiting visit and the first thing that he wants to talk about is the NIL deal. And my understanding is that there have been some recruits on campus in both football and basketball that when they sat down to have the discussion with the coaches, the very first thing they threw out on the table was, tell me about the NIL program. Is that good for college football? I, I don't think it is. I think it's something you have to face and you have to handle and you have to have an answer for. But uh, if that's going to be your first priority, then I don't know why you would choose this school over another one other than money. And there's certainly a lot of things to be offered from University of Oregon uh, that are good, uh, Southern California. Uh, tremendous university, the University of Utah has its uh, has its uh, uh, pluses. A great medical school background, law law school. It's got things that they can recruit to. BYU has its unique approach. But if it's going to be NIL money, then I think that yes, that does change. I think the whole the whole approach that you have to signing players and what they're interested in. And if they're interested in that, then how are they going to be to coach and to be a teammate and be in the locker room with and I think that this is a big elephant that, that, that's that got to be covered in some way in the room. I was talking tomorrow. to Ty Detmer um, earlier today and asked him about the portal, which is the other big issue facing yes. college football. And he thinks the portal is doing more damage than the NIL as far as what's changing the game because he coaches high school kids and the New Mexicos and the smaller schools that would typically come and look at his guys are going to the portal for quick fixes. One, because there's so many kids in the portal and he thinks it's costing high school kids the opportunity to be seen, be looked at, and for colleges to take a chance on. Absolutely. I think it's hurting kids because, you know, if you transfer out of, say, BYU or Utah and you don't have a solid place to land, but you're hoping to be recruited in that, you may lose your scholarship within a day or two. And then what are you going to do if maybe nobody bites? Yeah. And it could hurt them. And then I think it does hurt high school high school players because if you can go get immediate help in the transfer portal why are you looking at a high school developmental player that maybe might take a year or two i think okay. i think the uh the rule where you don't have to sit out if you transfer the first time one, one time exception i right? think that's truly the game changer and if they got rid of that i think more kids would think twice about leaving because they they're unhappy they just want to play well if you've got to give up a year to go do that then maybe you take another look back at where yeah. you currently are. You know, um, Dick, uh, Dave and I last night were talking to Gifford Nielsen, and, and he w we were just kind of reminiscing, and Giff was saying, yeah, heck, when I was in practice, you know, I had two first-round draft picks in practice with me, pushing me all the time, and Mark Wilson and Jim McMahon, two, two first-round picks. And he goes, are those days gone? Will you, will you ever, you know, BYU used to stockpile five guys. I experienced that. People are like, man, you're only a backup. I'm like, yeah, but I had two Davey O'Brien award winners in front of me and, and three first-team All-Americans and a Hall of Fame NFL player and a guy that should be a, should have been a Hall of Fame player if he didn't run around and have sweetness behind him that he had to toss the ball to. <laughs> that 
that just doesn't happen anymore because if you're a backup quarterback and you don't think you're going to play, you just leave. So what does that say for depth, even at the big schools these days? I just have to look right to Jaron Hall. I mean, Jaron Hall was playing behind a number two draft pick. Um, he was getting a very little playing time. And in this kind of a world of the transfer portal, he probably should have gone, been gone. There's even talk that he was probably looking at transferring, but he didn't and he stuck it out. And now you're into a real fortunate kind of a turn with BYU quarterbacks right now where you've got an experienced guy that's been around the block and he's learning and he's developing, and he's getting better. And I think Jaron's going to have a great year. I don't think that would happen if we would have transferred. You also, you know, have uh, Jacob Conover, you know, in, in this world right now, maybe he should have transferred, but he didn't. And so I think you're in a good spot if you're in Roderick where you're getting these guys that you can keep them around. Um, it's been proven only 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 a, a sprained ankle or a sprained shoulder away from starting and you need to have those guys that have been in the program a long long time and blaine you know that better than anybody your your chance is going to go come and come and it did against michigan didn't it mm -hmm. and, and the, i think byu's got an interest if they can if jaron can be a draft pick and, and I, i'm interested to see what you both think about this if jaron's a draft pick now all of a sudden byu's back in the quarterback business because you say listen you only need to have one really good year here because we produce NFL quarterbacks. They come here looking for NFL guys. We just went back-to-back -back with guys. Am, am, I, am I making that too simple, or is that a reality? All of a sudden, guys stay because they figure, if I can play one or two years here, then that's a ticket. Am I right? Well, you don't have to wait around as long, and that's true. I don't know that BYU is going to ever have, if he's good, if he's really good, if they're going to have a senior quarterback. I don't think they're going to stay. So I think you're looking at a sophomore, a freshman year, getting a little playing time, maybe get in there as a sophomore or a junior, and then you're gone. If you're really good, you're going to be gone. So, yeah. Do you think, and we're visiting with Dick Harmon from the Deseret News, and uh, jump on our live stream if you have a question for Dick. We'll pass it on to him and let him answer it here on the show. But when, uh, when Lavelle Edwards sat Mark Wilson and Jim McMahon down and said, Jim, I want you to redshirt. I'm going to play Mark in the 79 season. If that was in today's environment, would Jim McMahon have stuck around? No. No, he, he wouldn't have done that. I, I, you would hope that he wouldn't have. I know that he was not very happy with that. Yeah. But he did it. Um, the alternative would be, you know, to, to set out a year and to do some other things. But no, no. I mean, they were so lucky to have, you know, Jim McMahon and, and Mark Wilson and Steve Young. And, and look at Robbie Bosco. I mean, uh, you know, he stuck around for a while, you know, and. He got his chance, and he made the most of it. He's got a national championship ring. But what we have now is no patience. The grass is always greener, and if I make a move now, then it's all about me. And that, that can't be good for football. No. No, and at some point, the NFL is not going to have any room for all these guys who want to leave to get in. It's so hard to get in to begin yeah, with. Yeah, it is. When, when I was at the Super Bowl covering the Eagles and Patriots uh, years ago, um, that the teams came out and they were doing their warm-ups and I was sitting there going, well, where's the rest of the team? And there were 53 guys. Yeah, That was it. And all 53 guys want to play next year. And I thought, oh, my gosh, BYU rolls out 110 guys when they, when they play a home game. The Patriots have 53. How do you make that roster? And yet everyone who has a good game thinks, I'm the next guy in. There's only so many spots. Now you only have to look back to John Beck and, uh, you know, Max Hall. You know, John waited around for his turn. Max waited, you know, he came off a mission early and and, and tried to find his, his – I mean, 
these things have just been a part of football. And I think BYU has been very, very lucky that they haven't people had people bail out very often. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, I think a tribute to people like Aaron Roderick and, and maybe even Robert and I before them, but uh, yeah, it's, it's been, it's, it's been a good run where you've had quarterbacks believe in the system and in their coaches and in the people around them. And you're lucky if you got that, because that's not the case now. Well, and I don't want to leave football yet, but before we're done, I, I feel like NIL and transfer is is going to kill basketball faster than it kills football. But but, but before we do that, I want to ask you about this BYU football team because you, you've been around a lot of teams. You know what they've got coming back. And, and I know you've written some articles about this recently. What What's your take on this BYU offense? How good can they be this fall? I think the sky's the limit, Blaine. Um, you've been around football a lot longer than I have, and You've got a son that is a defensive coach out there, and he probably lets you know what he sees on the field. But you've got an offensive line that is two, two and a half to three deep. They're monsters. They're, they're. I think they probably average six foot seven, uh, three hundred and ten pounds, and there's ten of them. And you got Blake Freeland, who I think is an All American candidate. You got Clark Barrington. These are some of the best linemen that BYU's had in ten years. And you've got some guys that probably will step up. I like I love pay at center, but no, this this offensive line is a building block. And, and I think if you were to ask coaches over the years, whoever they are in the NFL or in college, the biggest building block you have to have is an offensive line. And you always got it. Jim, so if you go from there and you got a re- returning quarterback like Jaron Hall with all the experience, now he's had chemistry with his receivers, and and his tight ends. Uh, something he didn't have with Puka Nakua last year at all in the summer because he was injured. Uh, but now you've got that coming back. You've got two deep threats in him and Romney. Uh, you've got uh, tight ends, I think, that are experienced playmakers, fullbacks that are veterans. They're big. They're physical. And you've got Chris Brooks. If Chris Brooks is anything like we think he'll be, the transfer from Cal, to step in and take that load from uh, Tyler Algier, I think you're going to see a balanced, very hard-to-defend BYU offense with veteran line, uh, deep linemen that are big and very physical. You, you go back to the days in the 1980s and late 70s when BYU was dominating the WAC. The thing that the coaches would always say is that they're just so physical. They're so physical up front, we can't match up with them. And then you got the griping about the older players <laughs> and the return mm-hmm. issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that went on for decades and decades as the excuse for these coaches for losing to BYU. But what they had is offensive linemen. Roger French was churning it to the NFL draft, and he was doing it sometimes two in a year. I think BYU's getting close, pretty close to being right there this coming year. Jim McMahon. They were back in the days of Roger French. Jim McMahon told me today, he said, give me five guys on the offensive line who want to fight, and I don't care who the receivers are, and I don't care who my running backs are. We're going to go win games. But like you said, Dick, he wants five monsters up front and that's the key to success. And, and, and you know, if, if you go back, Dick, you're, you're exactly right. Go back to every championship year, and then in Independence, every year where they've had double-digit wins, and look at the offensive line, because that's where yeah. they're really good. That yeah. That's the core of greatness at BYU. And and then great quarterbacks are made when they... You know, we, we watched some film of me playing back in the olden days with my boys, and, and there was one play, we were playing New Mexico... And uh, I dropped back, and I probably went through five reads and fr- and finally dumped the ball off to Vaisika Hemel, who started off on the left sideline and then ran back across my vision all the way to the right sideline, and I swear I had the ball for eight seconds. And all three of my boys looked at me and said, 
well, geez, Dad, anybody can complete a ball if you can stand back there for eight seconds. You weren't that good. And I'm like, well, actually, <laughs> didn't need to be that good. Our offensive line was that good. And and you, you're thinking, of, you know, I'm thinking about guys like Bart Oates that was up there that's multiple Super Bowl champions. Trevor Maddich. Trevor Maddich. You know, there, there's one Robert, after Robert another, all of these NFL-type yeah. guys up front. I feel like this offensive line this year, Dick, I agree with you. This, this line is as good as I can remember in the last, maybe in the last – 20 years, they have the potential to be as good as they've been in the last 20 years. We're going to ask Elisa Tuiaki uh, about his defensive line, but he's told us all spring, and you've been there, uh, that the the guys up front are going to be the ones who steal the the headlines, his defensive line, which uh, because there's no nine-star players up there, it's often attacked as that's the area where this place isn't growing. But, but you mentioned the depth on the offensive line a moment ago, the depth on the defensive line. They got eight guys all with playing experience, all bigger and stronger than they were last year. Well, I, I think I think the key, and I think it's been shown the way by Blaine's former uh, teammate, Kyle Whittingham, and his father, Fred Whittingham, they had a philosophy that if you could get pressure with four down linemen, and you can switch a combo up, but four, you four-man rush, if you can do that, you can win a lot of football games because you can do things with coverage. You can bring some blitz. You can bring an extra person. It changes the game entirely. So if BYU stay, you know, if this defense is going to be changed and the heat's going to be off Tuiaki, if they can get four down linemen that could get pressure, they did it with three a couple of times last year. Mm-hmm. They did three linemen that were rushing. They got pressure, but if they can do it with four, it changes everything for uh, Eliza Tuiaki. It really does. I've got a quarterback quiz for you. Uh, oh, man. But before we get to that. Um, I, asked, I said I was going to ask him about, about basketball. Yeah, we got, so, we'll have that one, too. So then we'll do, we'll do this, this question, the quiz, and then come back to basketball. Okay, because I, I, I'm just I, I'm scared to death about what's going to happen with college basketball. I just want to get Dick's take on it because he's been watching it for so long. But we want to do the quiz first? Let's do the quiz. But the setup for the quiz uh, is what is the biggest story – at BYU sports that you've covered over the years. And we can throw out the there's the Heisman, there's the national championship, there's this Big 12. There's Jimmermania. There's going independent. Uh, there was Jimmermania. What's number one? Oh, that, that's, that's hard to say. I, I think you got to say because BYU won the national championship and both the AP poll and the UPI poll, which that's all there was back in 1984. Yeah. That changed the face of college football. It brought in the Bowl Alliance, the Bowl Coalition, the BCS, and all of these things to keep a BYU from ever, ever having that happen again. The resulting part of that is that you've had 13 schools that have traded and playing for the national championship since that time. So I got to think that because of what Lavelle Edwards did in getting BYU in that position and winning that game, a lot of people want to downplay BYU's win over Michigan. But there are a lot of schools that could have played BYU and then chickened out. Yeah. Oklahoma was one. Washington was another. Right. Um, somebody from the ACC. Who was it, Blaine? Um, I think Florida. Yeah, Florida I, think, State. I, th- anyway, I think it was Florida State. They had a chance to come there and play, and they, they said no. So, you know, you can't you can't downplay what BYU did in an undefeated season when other people refused to come and play them for a title. They played who was right in front of them, and they beat them. But I think that changed the face of college, uh, you know, football for, for probably ever in the way that the, the, the Blue Bloods then said, no more, no more. That will never happen again. We can't allow it. And then I think probably the second thing 
Jimmer, Jimmer was one of the great stories. We were all there in the uh, in the Thomas and Mac when he scored those points against New Mexico. People right. came in at halftime. We're talking sports writers from around the country. They'd never seen anything like that before. His run, the attention that he got as the player of the year was tremendous. And and I reflect back on Danny Ainge back in the 80s, the, the run he had against Notre Dame, uh, getting them to the uh, the Elite Eight, which BYU's never been back. That, that was a tremendous run by, by Danny Ainge and his teammates in, in a team that was loaded. And Frank Arnold did a great job in assembling that team. Uh, there have been a lot of highlights. I think the uh, Miracle Bowl against SMU, the first bowl game that Lavelle was able to win. Jim McMahon's going to be on campus, you know, probably talking about that. But one of the greatest comebacks in the history of college football by a team that was talented, refused to quit, was down, impossibly able to come back, and yeah. they did. Um, you know, those moments are probably the greatest that I can remember. Ty Detmer covering him, and both of you have talked to him. You know him very well. Mm-hmm. But one of the class individuals that you'll ever meet, uh, being in charge of a team that uh, did so well, and he, he, he won the Heisman Trophy, um, all the awards, all the records that he said, 115 touchdowns, 121 touchdowns, more than 15,000 yards, the first player to ever do that. He threw a lot of interceptions, but, man, was he a fun player to watch and to cover. Well, I still remember after the Texas A&M game in the locker room, he had two separated shoulders. He had tears in his eyes. The Texas A&M team, a lot of guys that he went to high school with were making fun of him out on the field, you know, um, and the kid with tears long after everybody had been interviewed, he sat there and he took the questions for as long as anybody wanted to talk to him with a notebook and a microphone. He sat there like a man and he answered every question that he could. And I'll never forget that. He told me today we were talking about Texas leaving, probably happy they won't have to deal with BYU just as a joke, and and he made a quick uh, response of, well, I'm glad Texas A&M isn't in the Big 12 because that didn't, <laughs> that, that didn't work out for him. Weren't all those events a precursor leading up to getting to P5, getting into a into the Big 12 or whatever league they were going to get into, but – but it seems like all of that was a battle of credibility and we're here and we're building and we're, 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 you're, you're missing the boat by not inviting us. All those great stories you just mentioned, don't they culminate with the kickoff a, a year from September in the Big 12? Oh, absolutely. They all built a layer upon layer upon layer. The tradition that BYU had under LaBelle Edwards, let's say, you know, is one of the greatest in college football. Uh, Jimmy Bowden will tell you that, uh, Joe Paterno will tell you that, what he did, how he did it, with what resources he did, and how much he was paid, one of the great stories of all time. And it's upon the shoulders of Lavelle Edwards that BYU enters the Big 12. And I think it's about time that that was recognized in a, in a decade where we've had social issues keep BYU out of progressing further, yeah. either the Pac-12 or the Big 12. And, and let's face it, that's what it was. It's a social barrier the BYU had to hop over, and this administration was able to do that, and I credit them. Uh, you take it as an honor when we say uh, no one's covered the Cougars longer than you on the entire planet, right? That's not us. That's a, that's not us saying you're older than. Now, I was telling. I was telling that's them, an honor. I'm, I'm throwing out there as an honor. I was telling Dick that you you contacted me when I was a senior in high school and wrote an article about me. I'll never forget that. I was, and you've been so good to me over the years. You know, I got to say, I've known both of your fathers. Before I knew you two, talking to them, working with them. I called Blaine's father to get some pictures and things when he's in high school. But, yeah, it goes way back. It was a lot of fun time. And and I got to say, both of your fathers, we just left Father's Day, but both of your fathers are some of the greatest people 
some of the greatest men that I've ever met. And I'll say that honestly and right up front. Yeah, oh, thank thank you. you, Dick. They're both so much cooler than us. Yep. I mean, look at us. Yep. <laughs> well, and, da and Dale's watching. I know he keeps an eye on us, and, and I'm sure my dad's uh, tuned in tonight. He watches the Hey, my dad gets on Twitch and watches the live stream. My sister helps him. <laughs> He's an All-American. My sister helps him, but he gets on the live stream and watches. He's he is an All-American. All, All right, so I've gotta, I'm going to ask you three questions. Blaine, I gave Blaine this quiz last week, and so I have his answer here. Uh, but I thought as you were coming out, I'm like, well, you know what? I want to ask Dick Harmon this question. We'll see if you match up with me. We'll Dick. see. Uh, we'll no see pressure. where you're at. Okay, are you ready? Ready. Okay. It's first and ten. You've got ninety seconds to score. Oh, You've got yards. ninety yards to score and one minute to do it. Who do you want leading that drive? It's first. It's first. It's just, oh, you don't just jump in he, yet. He I haven't even given the. Complicates it. I haven't even given the. Okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry, sorry. He he complicates it's a multiple this what, choice. This is what he did to me the last two weeks. He complicates it, and sometimes he doesn't even give me the choice of who I would pick. Yeah, it's so, it's so of he this gives, group. He gives you four four options. So okay, this, okay. I'm sorry. I'm okay. sorry. Okay. First That's and ten, first scenario, ninety right? yards to score, a minute to do it. You got Ty Detmer, Jim McMahon, Max Hall, or Robbie Bosco. Those are the four. And clearly you jumped the gun and went right to Jim McMahon, which is where Blaine went last week. So I'm just going to move on to question number two. <laughs> Sorry. And, right. and, then, and then we've got, we've got the – are we doing the instant poll like are the guys? Yeah. Polls will be in so, and out. So there you go. We're doing, we're doing polls on these questions, and they're, they're coming up on the screen too. So, and everyone agreed with us on Jim McMahon, by the way. So. Okay, now it's third down and 15. You're throwing over the middle. Which tight end is your target? A, Dennis Pitta, B, Johnny Harleen, C, Chris Smith, or D, Gordon Hudson. Third and 15, you're throwing over the middle. Who's your tight end target? Pitta, Harleen, Smith, or Hudson? Well, a couple of them there were All-Americans, Chris Smith and uh, Gordon Hudson. I will go with Gordon Hudson because of the marriage he had with Steve Young. It was automatic. It was guaranteed. And it was over and over and over again, and nobody could do anything with it. If you're talking about breakaway speed, it's Chris Smith. But I think generally I'd say, okay, guaranteed here, it's Gordon Hudson. Okay. Blaine went with Dennis Pitta on that yeah. one last week. And, and hey, the, it, cr the crew, wow, they're a little bit split. But it's now, hard. And, to and the, re the reason I went with Dennis was I don't think Max even looked at anybody else on third down other than Dennis. And everybody in the stadium knew he was going to Dennis. A lot like Steve and Gordo, where, where it'd be like, well, Steve's going to throw it to Gordon right here, and nobody could stop it. How I, call, I called Dennis a chain mover when he was playing because third and whatever – Max was thrown into Dennis, and it didn't matter whether they bracketed him, doubled him, or what they did. He was catching it, and BYU was getting a first down. So I picked Dennis. I don't think you can go wrong there, but here's the thing. Look how many tight ends BYU has had that you'd want to throw to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. every one of those would be great, right? And then I some. Mean, going back, Todd Thompson. I don't know if you guys remember Todd Thompson. Yeah, oh, I remember it's, Todd. Uh, Mills, and, uh, David, David Miles, Mills, wasn't it David Mills? Yeah, David Mills, Sluggo. Yeah. Sluggo yeah. is his nickname. You go down the line, they're over and over and over again. Pitt is probably the latest great one. So yeah, yeah. no, there it's, and we're hoping that they reestablish that this year again with with another great one. Um, hey, Matt Matt Bushman before his in, injury was developing yep. into one of those. Chad Lewis, like you just you just can keep going. Tula Mealy, I'd throw to any of those guys on third and fifteen. Holker's coming along. Isaac, yeah, Holker, and then Isaac, Isaac Rex uh, supposed to be back. Led the nation with touchdown passes. Yeah, tied with the Florida, the first round draft pick. And we, yeah. we and we didn't even mention Clay Brown, Jimmy's guy, Jimmy Max guy, yep. Clay Brown. All right, here's question number three. It's fourth down and one at the goal line. There's time for one last play. You're going to call a running play to try to win the game. Who do you give the ball to? 
A, Jamal Williams, B, Luke Staley, C, Tyler Algier, or D, Harvey Unga. One yard, last play of the game, you got to score to win. Williams, Staley, Algier, or Unga. Oh man, that's a hard one. That is a hard. This is not a. This is not an easy show. Not everyone can come on this show. You know, Al judged in our mind. I I think about him. He's so productive when he got down there. But I think I'll go with Harvey Younga because of the size and the strength that he had. And let's remember, he didn't play his senior year, but he was the all-time leading rusher in the history of BYU when he stepped out and quit quit football. We didn't see all of what Harvey could do, yeah. but he was a tough, he was one tough sucker. Our, our Insta poll, it's interesting, in the Insta poll, 60% say Algier and 40% say Luke Staley. Blaine went with Staley last week. Oh, wait, now, and they've got some more. Now it's even more coming. Now it's 50% Algier, 33% Staley, and 17% Harvey Unga. I mean... It, well, it, I think I think Staley, I think if you pitch the ball oh, out... Oh, now we got some Williams even. ...ball out. Yeah. You know, and he could run he could run that one yard and score, but he could also maybe run 99 yards and score. So, Staley, you know, you can't go wrong with any of yeah. these guys. I mean, That's I, not fair. Dude. Harvey's going to run over him. <laughs> Tyler's going to run around him or over him. Jamal's just going to be not denied. Listen, this is, there's no right answer. And, this is an opinion-based I, I just, I just told I just told Dave, I remember um, when Luke was playing and Kyle was the D coordinator, um, Kyle just says, that he's so ridiculous to try to defend in short yardage because they'll throw him the toss. Mm-hmm. And then the guys will get, they'll have to run so hard to beat him to the corner that they overrun him because he's so fast for a big guy. And then he just puts his foot in the ground and runs back. And now you're arm tackling him and he just runs right through all the arm tackles. And typically a kicker leads the nation in scoring. Luke Staley led the nation in scoring the year he won the Doak Walker Award. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, if I'm going to have a guy that's going to score, I'm going to do the nation's leading score. You know, I, we, put, I put Luke in there. We got momentum. I'm going to lean into our defensive quiz. You got a couple more minutes to be with us? Oh, absolutely. Nice. All right. Okay. So uh, we've got Blaine and we've got uh, Dick Harmon. Now both are in play. And then we have our streamers around the globe that can chime in with their answers. Um, so I'm going to propose a question. Then I'm going to give some options. And then, uh, and then we'll debate your answers. Okay, I like this. So we're going defense tonight. It is third down and three at the BYU 27. The Cougars need a sack from a linebacker to knock the opponent out of field goal range. Who's going to get it? A, Leon White, B, Todd Shell, C, Kyle Van Noy, or D, Shea Muirbrook? You need a, sta- a sack. It's third and three at the 27. You've got to sack the quarterback and get them out of field goal range. Is it Leon White, Todd Shell, Kyle Van Noy, or Shea Muirbrook? Who do you want to go first? You go, you go, Dick. You're, you're the guest. You, know, you, you, you get to, to pick me, first. To, to me, one of the greatest playmakers, I've seen it over and over again out of him, it was uh, Kyle Van Noy. I mean, to get that sack, if you had to have it, maybe even a fumble, Icing on the cake, Kyle Vannoy. Yeah, and our, and our and our people streaming with us are they're agreeing with you, and I a hundred percent agree with you. I, I when I think of this question, I reflect back on that bowl game against San Diego State. I have never seen an individual defensive player decide to take over a game when the offense wasn't clicking that great, and just go, you know what? It looks like we're gonna have to win this game on defense, so. Let's do this. I'm going to go win this thing. And he just came up with three plays in a row. Just ridiculous. Um, And so I feel like if you have to have a play, that guy's going to dial up a play. He's going to go make a play for you. So I'm with you. I'm 100% with you on Kyle Van Noy. 
26 I mean, sacks. Miss too. They don't win yeah. the game at Ole Miss if he doesn't sack the guy in the end zone, yeah. right? We, we have a few. We have a few that that went with Todd Shell on the on the poll. One one went with Leon White. Hey, I love I love some Leon White. I'll tell you that that guy was amazing. He had 17 sacks. Shell with 20. Van Noy had 26. Muirbrook had 19. Uh, and Van Noy's play against Ole Miss was the first game of Independence. Uh, Back there and and BYU won it fourteen to thirteen. Okay, that was a pretty easy one. That was just a teaser. That was like the shrimp cocktail that that came out. Now you have to look at the menu and things <laughs> are going to get a little tougher. It's first and ten at the opponent's thirty. BYU's getting pressure with a four man rush. Which defensive lineman gets to the quarterback first? A. Jim Herman. B. Jan Jorgensen. C. Jason Buck. Or D. Ziggy Ansa, who didn't play nearly as much as the other three, but you just need to get a guy to the quarterback with a four-man rush on first and ten at the thirty. Herman Jorgensen, Buck, or Ziggy? What do you got, Dick? Well, in Buck, you got a guy that you know didn't get a Super Bowl ring, and he was an Outland Trophy winner, and I think you don't can't go wrong with that. But I think for just the sheer energy in the moment of a play, I'd go with Janimal. I'd go with Jan Jorgensen. Didn't he? Didn't he set a record for BYU for sacks in a game or a season or something like that? He's, he did it. He's thirty sacks. Thirty sacks. He's, he's the, he's the all-time leader. Yes. Yeah, so when's the last time you saw a thirty-sack guy out of BYU? Yeah. So yeah, I'm I, trying to think when the last time I've seen a five-sack guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> as they try to and get so, to the quarterback. So here, here's my. I'm reading this question. I'm going. Okay. Jan's Jan's the sack leader. So there's something there's something to be said for that. Jason Buck I played with, and I was thinking of the same things you were, Dick, that Outland Trophy winner, Super Bowl champion with the Washington Redskins, relentless pass rusher, so quick around the corner, great feet and hands, former high school quarterback. Um, but then I thought, am I talking about Ziggy Ansah at BYU or I'm talking about Ziggy Ansah of the Detroit Lions healthy? Because Ziggy Ansah of the Detroit Lions healthy is a Pro Bowl defensive end. And so I, I went with him because I decided I'm going with the Ziggy Ansah that, that is the – that was at his potential, not the one that didn't know how to put his thigh pads in the pants when he was at BYU. I'm, but I'm, the, I'm, the question was BYU being on the 30-yard line. Oh, crap. Not, not the Detroit Lions. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Okay. So sometimes Blaine veers sometimes, off. Sometimes, sometimes I make sometimes my own stuff off. up. I make my own stuff up. <laughs> but okay. but when you look at Ziggy in that one year, really, that uh, that we saw him as he was figuring out the game, and and you're just in a play where you got to get to the quarterback, it was tough to block him. Yeah, it was when, when, when he was at when he was at his peak in the NFL before he had all the injuries. He was unblockable in the NFL. He's a Disney movie waiting to happen. Yep, yep, for sure. I remember the first day I saw him at uh, Tidwell. Paul yeah. Tidwell is the one that recruited him and uh, brought him into practice. And uh, he walked by me, and I was there, and I was kind of walking along, and I about stumbled and fell over looking at him. He's a tremendous specimen. He, yeah. Oh, un- unbelievable. And, and remember, he had gone over to basketball practice. Remember, yeah. and and Dave Rosen, those guys, they're watching him. They're going, okay. He he doesn't have the fine motor skills to shoot and to catch and all that, but this dude is ridiculous. Like, if nothing else, he should be able to run down and cover kicks. We've never seen somebody more athletic running up and down the floor. Yeah. And he was running up and down the floor and throwing it down with two hands and beating everybody. And they're going. Crazy. This guy needs to be on the football team. And then they talked to Paul, and Paul took him out for football. And <laughs> This is why this is a Disney movie. I remember when he scored a defensive touchdown. He got in the end zone. We were calling the game. I don't know if it was Washington State or somebody, but he didn't know what to do. He yeah. got in there. He's like, he's standing around. Did I just do something? His players are jumping around. He's like, 
Uh, and so then I think they worked on some he, things. He may be the most some moves. the most imposing specimen to ever put on a BYU uniform, don't you think, Dick? I would agree to that. Yep, yep. But I'm with you. I, you know, you you go with Jan. I, I would I I said Ziggy at his peak, but if I have to go with during the career, I'm going to go with Jason because I'm just going with one of my guys. Homer, Homer <laughs> on that one. All right, here's a tough one. It's second down and seven at the BYU 25 yard line. The Cougars need an interception in the secondary. Who gets it? A. Derwin Gray. B. Brian Mitchell. C. Tom Homo. Or D. Gennaro Guilford. If you go to the stats, they're all pretty close. So you need one of those four to get you an interception. Who's it going to be? I'll throw another name out there. You right, it, it's, it, I gave you four selections. Okay. There's okay. not. It's Dave, not an Dave essay. Atkinson, Dave Axton set the school record for interceptions back in the early seventies or late seventies. Yeah. And okay. notice, there, there's no, Tim, there's no Tim McTire, Omar Morgan. I can't include that. I can't include uh, the whole team. They're not I gave there. you a the four. Two best cover guys that I've seen at BYU, and they're not there. Okay. I will say... Don't make fun of the... First of all, I think that was an unfortunate will, stab at the a, person who wrote this quiz. I will give it to a guy that I saw make interceptions at BYU and do it regularly. Um, had one, I think, against Georgia. Oh, yeah. I think he's got Super Bowl rings. If you're going to stock NFL like Blaine likes to do... Mm-hmm. Don't let Blaine veer you Bowl, off. I'm going to say Tom Homo. I'll give Tom a bone. He had 13 picks. He yeah. had 13 picks. He, so, I... I went with... Whatever you do, do not bring in any of the CFL. We've already nope, nope. ventured in the NFL. I'm do not, not nope. bring in the Canadian I'm, I'm going to go with Derwin Gray. And the reason I'm going to do it is, um, you know, Brian played corner. Tom played corner in in college. And Gennaro played corner. And I feel like, you know, corners are always locked up in coverage. They're, they're running. Um, you're more likely to get a, a pick as a safety um, in this type of a situation. And so I think Derwin in the back end is going to close on the ball and come up and, and make a pick. And he, man, could he close. So All right, here's the toughest one coming. It's first and 10. The opponent catches a pass across the middle. Huh. This is tough. Dick and I are going with the same one. BYU on needs, to, needs somebody to lay a hit so hard that the receiver drops the ball. So who lays the hit? A, Thor Salanoa. B, Kurt Govea. C, Rob Freight Train Morris, or D, Kyle Morrell? One of those four have got to hit the receiver and knock the ball out. I can't have a Nakua in there, huh? No, no, just these four. (sighs) Okay, what were the the three you get to four? Thor Salanoa, Kurt Govea, Rob Morris, and Kyle Morrell. We've got video of all of them of decapitated guys over the middle (laughs) on occasion. Uh, But you you just need one to do it. You need to get the football back. You know what? I, I, I think we've got to give credit to a, an athlete at Viewmont High School who played for the Vikings. Um, he's not with us any longer, um, but Kyle Morrell. Uh, he could lay a hit. He could cover. What a great safety. What a great mind. Never got the credit that I think he deserves, but I'll go with Kyle Morrell for hitting somebody. That's a good choice. Yeah. That no, is I a like, good choice. We, we watched, I know who you're going I, I was with. watching film with my, guy, with my boys one time, and they're like, Dad, I think Kyle Morrell would have gotten kicked out of the first quarter of every game, which which is true. You got to remember that targeting was not a rule when we were playing. Kyle used to yep. used to either lead with his head and knock guys out, or throw his forearm right into the side of their head, which is also targeting. Um, so he he would make some big hits. But I went. I'm I'm going with Kurt Govea simply because of the Hawaii game in 1985. And Dick, you remember this. Walter Murray runs a slant. Walter Murray's an All-American wide receiver at Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And and 
we're in zone coverage and Kurt drops out and he's right there in line with Walter and he and he hits him pretty hard. But Walter catches the ball and I'm thinking, ooh, that was a great catch. But then Walter made the mistake that he got up and he tossed the ball at Kurt and got in his face a little bit. <laughs> and I remember leaning over and t- to one of my buddies and going, why do you want to poke the bear like that? That's like not smart. It is not smart. And, and it couldn't have been more than three plays later Walter Murray's running the same route, but this time Kurt's just a little bit deeper. The first thing that hit the ground was the back of Walter Murray's head, and then Kurt just got up quietly and just goes <laughs> huh, over the top of him and walked back, walked back to the huddle. And Walter I was out. He was, a he was out cold. Declater. And I'm like, well, that's what happens. Why, why do you mess with Kurt Govea? So I gave it, I gave it to Kurt. We got, you know, some of our streamers here are saying uh, the, the freight, freight, train. freight train Morris. There's some good, good. Good support for for the freight train. Hey, any one of these guys will smack you. I put Thor on there. Isn't Thor like the Godfather of Hawaii? Yes. Yeah. Like, hey, like if you need something, you call Thor. Isn't that pretty? I haven't been pretty over, much understood. I and guess what? Thor was on campus this this past week for the first time in like twenty plus years. No kidding. Maybe even longer. And he was on campus and and was around, which was really neat to see. Yeah, Thor is. You know how Dave McCann was the hookup? I always tell you, like, Dave McCann is the hookup in Vegas of all times. Like, you need to go golf, you need a steak, you need whatever. That's a Dave, little inflated. Dave's your story. guy. Thor <laughs> Salanoa in, in Hawaii, like, what do you need? And you got it. He, he just, he's connected. Maybe too connected. If somebody, I'm, a little, I'm a little worried about Thor because he might be too connected. If somebody's tailing you and you call Thor, they stop tailing you. Is that yep. what you're saying? Yep. Like, if you get pulled over by the cops... And they're like, hey, you know, I just want you to know that Thor Salanoa is my buddy. Like, oh, yeah, you can go. <laughs> that, that's which, unconfirmed. Which, which, by the way, that, that is unconfirmed. But don't that, try that, that if you're listening to the I have to tell you guys, tonight. that happened to me in Philadelphia when I had Vi Sikahem in the car with me. So I turned right on red, and there was a sign behind a tree that said no right on red. And, but you couldn't see it. It was behind yeah, the tree. And so I turned right, and the siren went off, and I was like, what? What did I do? And, and Vi goes, oh, crap, you're not supposed to turn right on that corner. And we were in kind of a rough section of town. Police officer walks up to the window and says, license and registration. And I said, I, you know what? And we were in my rental car. I go, this is a rental car officer. I, so I don't know where the registration is, but here's my license. And, and Vi leans over from the passengers. He says, officer, I'm sorry. He's not from here. Um, I should have told him. And the police officer like bends down. He goes, Vi, sick of him. Is that you? And Vi <laughs> goes, yes, officer. And he goes, oh, when you beat up, the when you post? beat up, no, no. He goes, when you beat up a Jose Canseco oh, yeah. and, and you gave the money to the firefighter in this town, that was epic. And when you beat up the goalpost at the Giants Stadium, that was awesome. And then he goes, what are you guys doing in this part of town? And we said, we're, we're actually heading over to a friend's to watch Vi's buddy Bernard Hopkins uh, fight on pay-per-view because Vi's too cheap to buy cable. <laughs> yeah. And the police officer says, well, let me get you guys out of this neighborhood. Why don't I ask you, or escort you guys out of this neighborhood because it's kind of a rough neighborhood so just just follow me out of here no problem put your license away this is all good nice so so vi did run philadelphia by the way <laughs> he still does even though he's here he still does Vi, is that you i'm like oh man what is going on here <laughs> all right here's the last question for you dick it's a big game who's most likely to lead the cougars in tackles a kyle whittingham b david nixon we threw nixon in there because he's our broadcast partner. C. Brandon Ogletree. Put him in there because his dad's our stake president. And 246 tackles yeah. over and, his career. And D. Brian Keel. It's a big game. Who's going to lead the team in tackles in that game? Whittingham, Nixon, Ogletree, or Keel? 
Man, I have all the respect in the world for the Whittinghams, and I've seen Kyle do it. Team captain, tough guy. All those line, all those Whittinghams. You look at Kerry, you look at uh, Kyle. Um, Brady played on the other side, or I mean, uh, not Fred, Brady, Freddie but, played uh, fullback. Yeah, but man, that is a tough one. I. Mm. I'll throw you some stats. Uh, you, know, I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say Ogletree. I'm going to say Ogletree because he was undersized. I like Muirbrook too. You don't have his name on there. But, oh, he was a machine. Yeah. But Tree Tree did some real good work with that defense uh, for Bronco Mendenhall. And I, 22 and a half tackles not, for loss. Yeah, he's not the name. He's not the name in that, but the guy is really, really, he was really, really crafty at what he did. And I, I'm just going to say that to be different mainly, but I'll, I'll take Tree. Taking Let me tree. tell you about Tree's dad. Tree's dad calls me up. Mm-hmm. Our stake president. Yes. And asked if I was in the same stake, by the way. And I asked, they let Blaine and I be in the same stake, which clearly they don't know. Typically, that's a violation, but they let us in the same stake. So they asked me to speak at this patriotic thing this coming Sunday night at the Stake Center. By the way, Dave's speaking at the patriotic fireside next Sunday. Yeah, I said, what about a topic and how many minutes? He goes, well, I'll try not to take more than 40 minutes. (laughs) And I just stopped talking. (laughs) Like, what? 40 minutes? It's like, but anyway, his son, Brandon Ogletree, (laughs) won your vote tonight, so. That's got to help. That's, that's good stuff. I'm I'm gonna go with Kyle Whittingham. My old oh, roommate, you are? my old roommate. I lived at the Whittingham's house. I've never seen anyone more intense on a game day or cheap, right? It, oh, he's, cheap. oh yeah, he wouldn't turn the heat on. So you went across the street and stole because firewood from the neighbors. Is that correct? The Hoffines might be listening right now. I don't want the <laughs> Hoffines to know this. Well, the Whittinghams might be listening too, and they should know that no, that they Kyle, encouraged you guys to Kyle, go and steal firewood. Kyle would come home, and I would have turned the heat on, and he would basically say. Why don't you turn the heat on? You're going to pay the whole bill this month or I'm going to beat the crap out of you. <laughs> and I would say, Kyle, we're freezing. And Brenda would be over under five blankets. Kyle, we're freezing. He goes, then do the right thing and go across the street to Hoffines and steal some firewood and build a fire in the fireplace. <laughs> so I would sneak over to the Hoffines, go into the backyard, get some firewood and build a fire. Cheapest guy ever. So I feel like we, we but, owe an apology but, to the Hoffines. But intense, very intense. No, I think the Hoffines knew I was stealing their work. Yeah, they thought it was okay. When, when it was all said and done, I think they knew that Kyle was sending me over there. And they felt bad for us because they knew that Kyle was running the house with an, with an iron fist and wouldn't let us turn the heat on in the winter. Yeah, that's not right. Yeah, so you can't go wrong with Kyle, it, really. Ky- Kyle's yeah. intense, and he reminds, like, Mike Singletary-type intensity at middle backer. And if it's a big game, he was always unbelievably dialed in, and he and he would just run. And here's the other thing: to me, it had to either be Tree or Whittingham, because Dave and Brian played outside backer, and 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 middle backers just flow from sideline to sideline, and typically have an opportunity to make more tackles. So, so to me, I would bring it down to Kyle or Tree. Tree's a great choice, but I'm going to go with Kyle on this one. Uh, is Kyle misunderstood by Cougar Nation? Dick, I, I did an interview with him a few years ago uh, for Father's Day about the people who've influenced his life, culminating with um, with his dad. Um, and uh, there's there's a soft side to Kyle. He doesn't show very often, but when you see it, um, much like Jim McMahon said today, and, and what Gift told us about Jim McMahon is, there's a side to Jim McMahon that makes him the most gracious, humble. Mm-hmm kind-hearted guy that that uh that doesn't translate over to the Jim McMahon we saw wearing number nine what about what about Whittingham are we misreading him I, I think I think things that have happened have caused a layer upon layer in the minds of BYU fans but I've been in his house his father's house I know his brothers I know his mother <clears throat> I've always had a lot of great respect it's not his fault 
necessarily that he accepted a BYU job. He accepted that job from Fred Skousen. Yeah. And then Chris Hill called and offered him more money and he took it, but he was coming home. He was going to come home. Um, but yeah, I, I think if you understand Kyle, my brother, Phil, I'm in my brother's house right now. Cause my grandkids are running crazy at my house. <laughs> my brother Phil and Kyle were teammates at uh, Provo high school. Yeah. And so I've known this family for a long, long time. And, uh, uh, it's too bad that Kyle didn't come home and play at BYU because he'd have been a great uh, football coach. And I think Tom Homo would agree with that. He, uh, he was a teammate of his, and I think he's made several offers to get Kyle to come here and coach, but that hasn't been in the works. Not when you're making that much money and he had to do what he could for his family. Well, before you leave that though, with Jim McMahon, can I just share one story? Sure. Oh yeah. Um, when, when I was just up and coming, the daily Herald, the sports writer and, trying to ex make some extra money. I, I did a radio show on KEYY in Provo. And that station is way out in West Provo. Way, way, way out. by out. the lake. Yeah, it's, it's hard to find. <laughs> but I, I made a request um, of Ralph Zobel uh, if I could get Jim McMahon on, on the show. And he says, yeah. Um, and then he called me back and says, Jim wants to come down to the studio. Was it, would that be okay? I said, Yeah. Well, I didn't think that that would happen because it's hard to find, mm -hmm. number one. And number two, it's Jim McMahon. And number three, how in the heck is he going to find his way there? But five minutes before we went on the air, there he pulled up in this green duster. His girlfriend, he left him in the car. Well, he came in, he sat down, and did a 20-minute interview uh, with somebody who was nobody. But he, he kept a commitment to do that. And there are many Jim McMahon stories that people don't know. This is one of them, but things that he did for people. Mm -hmm. He was an unbelievable, um, he's an unbelievable person if you get to know him. The other stuff is the circus stuff, but Jim McMahon is the real guy. Yeah. I, and, I, and, yeah. and Dick, what people don't understand is Jim, Jim's crazy smart too, especially in the peak of his career with the Bears. So he understood, it's like, he had this persona and this almost caricature of who he was, and that translated to millions of dollars in endorsement deals. And he knew exactly what he was doing with and how he did it. And and behind the scenes, he's kind and gracious, and he's he's a good dad. And he's yeah, he's just been nothing but kind to me. He still calls me kiddo every time he sees me. He's like, hey, kiddo, because I was a freshman when he was a senior. He took me under his wing, and you know, we, a couple yeah. weeks ago, we told the mm -hmm. Danny Plater story, how he made Danny catch balls for me, helped me learn the game. Um, he's great to Steve Young, um, and and he, yeah. There's a very soft side, Jim, and, and it was really fun to catch up with Jim at Danny Planter's funeral, and he was so much better. This treatment he's been getting in New York to help with his, with his headaches and with with that that whole issue, um, from from all the concussions, he was night and day better when we saw him a few months ago, and you saw him today and interviewed him, Dave. Yeah. He, he's he's doing better, and and that's great to see because he's a he's a great human being. Dick, what's going to kill college basketball first, the NIL or the transfer portal? Oh, that That's a great question. I think it's probably the transfer portal. We've seen it happen already. I mean, uh, it's just musical chairs. And how can you build chemistry? How can you recruit? When? How can you give people playing time? How can you take playing time away from guys when they can go play immediately if they just get ticked off and they're going to leave? How, how is that basketball? How is that team? You can't even do that in the NBA. Right. You know, you've got contracts, you've got free agency, you've got all sorts of stuff, but this is just naked free agency that's gone wild. And I think it'll destroy the chemistry 
that coaches try to get in teams. I I think coaches would be they're pulling their hair out right now to deal with the transfer portal. It's we, crazy. We mentioned here it's a challenge for BYU because as BYU recruits a kid, by the time they get to campus, they understand the honor code, they understand the church sponsorship. Uh, it, in the portal, you you might meet a kid on the portal in one week and he's out taking a visit. Uh, and if he's a certain height, you, you really want him. And then he comes here and finds out what, wait, what? I, I don't even like with Gary Shidey when he, when Lavelle was recruiting him, I've never even heard of your school. Um, and, and, and so here come these guys. And so people, they come to campus, they go, why a big six, whatever kid came through. And it's like, why didn't he commit? And it's like, uh, because he thought it was crazy. Yeah. Cause he wants be, to yeah. party. He wants to go to SMU instead. But I think the portal for BYU is an added challenge because you get you get kids overnight, not the ones that you've schooled for since they were sophomores. Yeah, and and it's and it's it's hard to there's just the right kind of kid has to come. I'll tell you though, um, we were talking about this a few weeks ago. You, you had these four kids um, that came in, African American kids that bet on BYU four years ago and came in. D'Angelo Mandel, um, it you know, kind of led the pack on this. Um, and put their faith in BYU, and they all have this year's eligibility left, and they all just graduated. Yeah, and 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 I, and I and I'm pretty sure that they're the first college graduates in their families, and and BYU has something to to sell out there, above and beyond IL and that and NIL and all that, and that is, you come here and you are going to get an education that is unique, that is going to set you apart, that if you don't go play in the NFL, and you already talked about the odds of that. Yeah. You're going to be set up for life because you're going to be different than the kid that just went to San Diego State or to Fresno State. And I think Kalani and his crew is doing a really good job of selling that. And Mark Pope's been doing a pretty good job of selling that as well. But but they have to think of ways to, to sell differently because they can't compete with NIL dollars and no. all these other things that people are throwing in front of these players, especially in basketball. I think they've got a great example in uh, the league that they're going to in the Big 12 with Baylor. Mm-hmm. Baylor's a religious school. Uh, Baylor just won the football championship. They won a national basketball championship. But I was talking to somebody about that, and they, I said, how are they doing it? How are they getting these players there? And they, you know, I was told that the co- the school is going to these mothers, a lot of them single mothers, mm-hmm. and saying, we will take care of your son and make him a man, and he's not going to be out just doing all sorts of crap. We're going to take care of him. Yeah. yeah and, and they talk to them as a Christian and they talk to them as somebody who's going to shepherd them and help them. And that's what those mamas, they care about money, yeah, but they care about their sons. They don't want to end up, end up being shot at a party somewhere. And right. so Baylor's done a great job of pulling that trigger. It's the same trigger that BYU can pull, Blaine. Yep, I agree with you, Dick. It's, 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 a, it's a great way to sell it, and it's real. It's real. So eight and- minutes, eight minutes after nine on the East Coast. So you know what I'm going to do? Since you guys questioned some of my questions, I'm going to come back with one more. Okay, one. I'm more. I'm going to finish up we with got one this. more. We'll finish up with the big one. Here we go. All right, it's fourth down and eight. The opponent's driving late in the game. You need a lockdown defender to bat the pass away. Fourth and eight, late in the game. Lockdown okay. defender to bat the pass away. Is it a Daniel Sorensen? B Tim McTire? C. Rodney Rice, or D. Aaron Francisco. I feel good. Just the silence right there yeah, makes me you, feel you, good. You, you, uh, I, I, those are all great choices. I'm going to go with uh, one of the tandem that I thought was the best cover corner tandem in BYU school history, and that's Tim McTire 
And in um, Omar, he, huh? It was a great and Omar. You put those two together. I've never seen man coverage like that at BYU before. 1996 Cotton Bowl. Yeah. Uh, they shut down Snyder's offense pretty good and held it in check and made huge plays at the end. Yeah, what, held them to 15 points? Yep. And, and one was a Hail Mary before halftime? Yep. Yeah. All right, Blaine, yep. who do you got? I was also going to go Tim. Here's what's going to happen, though. Tim's going to bat the ball away, and then Aaron Francisco's going to hit the guy so hard that all of the wind comes out of him, and he can't breathe for two days. <laughs> and then Daniel Sorensen picks the ball <laughs> and off. Daniel Sorensen is going to pick it off. it to Rodney on Rice. On the tip and, and pitch it to Rodney for the touchdown. Do you remember Rodney Rice's pick six against Texas in Provo oh, when yes. we just killed him? Yep. That was the year after my mission to San Antonio. Yeah. Texas comes up. BYU would beat him down there miraculously. Um, a funny story about that. My companion and I were travelers through the mission at that time, and BYU comes down. My dad writes the mission president and asks him if we can stay with them for the game. And my mission president was cool, and we were hard workers, so we said yes. So Elder Anderson and I, we go to the team hotel at the Marriott. We stay with my dad. We have breakfast with Lavelle, literally at his table with him. And my companion's having this out-of-body experience, and I'm like, <laughs> this is just game day. This is what we do. We, we sat in the president's loge and ate lasagna and ice cream while BYU beat Texas, I think, 22 to 17. Oh. The beauty of that story is for the previous three months when I was serving in the university ward in Austin, we talked so much smack that BYU was going to come down and beat them, <laughs> knowing that we had no chance. But they did. They came down, and they, and they, and they beat them. And, um, and I had already been reassigned down to San Antonio, so I didn't even get to go back to talk smack, which is probably good. Yeah, it's probably good. It was probably you don't good. want to gloat in that. But the following year, some of the Texans came up here for the rematch, and I remember Rodney Rice got a pick, and he must yep. have run 60, 70 yards for a touchdown. Yeah, these guys, I'm telling you, Danny and Aaron you know, played in the back end, and would both of those guys were tremendous physical hitters and ball hawks, um, and then did the same in the NFL. Aaron was knocking people out in the NFL. Francisco and then and then Tim and Rodney played that corner position and were fantastic. Those are those are uh, great choices. I, I I'm I'm with Dick though. I'm going Tim McDyer. So. I feel good that you guys didn't dog my dig didn't no, dog my are, options. Those were great choices right there. So They're solid. Dick, tomorrow for the first time uh, since 2011, we're going to have a media day where you won't have to ask the question. Uh, what about this uncertain future with independence and is it sustainable? How, how refreshing will that be that that has come to an end? Uh, it's historic, really. You think about that. You think about the weekend of that announcement when BYU learned that they would be in the Big 12, and then it was, I think, the same weekend they beat the University of Utah and ended that streak. That that probably fed more, uh, more fuel into the souls of BYU fans than just about any event in the last 25 years, I think. It gave them hope. It gave them a vision. It, the, the ship is off your shoulder. They've been treated bad. They've been neglected. They've been left out. When the, when the, when you look around at the facilities and they have everything, even more than some teams have. You you look at a packed stadium, maybe the what second biggest one in the West, and and you, for what? For not. But that day it changed, and that win changed things. Yeah. And just for the record, while you were up and coming there at the Daily Herald, I was like nine and I was delivering your stories to the doorsteps of, I think, 37 people on my route as a Daily Herald paper boy. And now we're hanging out on mass media all over the world. Things have certainly changed, haven't they? It's crazy. 
It's crazy. And the bad thing about that is they made you go collect the money from the subscribers. Four dollars and twenty five cents. They had to go collect I can still that tell you that I can still tell you the houses that paid me a fifty cent tip. Uh, hey Dick, I love while you while you were talking, <laughs> Dick, um one of our subscribers, um, and I said is it's ten ten forever. All right. That's what it is. He goes, preach it, DH, with <laughs> an exclamation point. He was he was loving it. Um, so, but he also, and then we have uh, uh, Thon. Let's see, is it Thon two hundred seven? Said BYU owns Texas, which is true. It's interesting that Texas and Oklahoma could be in that league for a longer a year longer than we thought. BYU's got tremendous success against Texas. We got that great win against Oklahoma. Dick, how cool is that going to be to likely get a home and home with those two teams before they leave the league? It's tremendous. It's tremendous. This whole thing is great. It's going to be a great league. You look at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's going to be awful tough. We've seen the speed of the University of Houston. Yeah. You know you can recruit to Central Florida. Um, this this league is going to be good. I think in some ways it'll be – you can't say it's going to be better without Oklahoma and Texas, but I think when those two get in that league in the SEC and week in and week out see what's going to happen to them mm-hmm. – yeah, I wish that they were back in the, in the Big 12. Yep. Well, and I think, too, that uh, Kansas, Kansas State, uh, a number of those Big 12 schools that are staying, when they say these four coming in, these four aren't going to the bottom, like a lot of teams that join leagues. Uh, if you're Kansas and you're not careful, you're going to stay at the bottom. Yeah. If, if I look if, – if we were to do this, so I'm going to th- – I'm going to – like, this is going to be a tough one for you guys. Put BYU, put BYU – put these four teams in the league last year. Where does Cincinnati finish in that league last year? And where does BYU finish in that league last year? I, I, th- I still think Baylor wins the league. But I think Cincinnati gives them a run for the money to win that league last year. Yep. So so yeah. so where do you see them finishing? Where would Cincinnati finish and where would BYU finish in the league last year? I think Cincinnati finishes second and maybe even wins the league. They were very good. They were, mm-hmm. they, they were a top three team. I think I think BYU proved that they over time was you know when they were healthy they were a top twelve team, and I think they would have been a top four team in the in the Big Twelve last year at the peak of when they were healthy. Mm-hmm. No question. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah, I agree. And and they would have loved to have played Texas, uh, and they love playing Texas. Anytime. Yeah, they just love to but play at, Texas. At some point, we're going to have Sarkeesian back here in Provo. That'll be kind of cool because Steve is uh, he wasn't here very long, but he was the part of the Cotton Bowl championship team. Um, and then he's had his troubles and he's had his successes. And now he's got this huge job with expectations that are so beyond uh, what's realistic. Um, but it'd be nice to have him back. Yeah, Steve, he's got his hands full there because the culture at the University of Texas football program has been bad. Mm-hmm. They're entitled four-star, five-star athletes that come in and they, I don't know how hard they work, but they can go anywhere in town and get a meal. They can go to the bars and get what they want. They've been entitled. They've been spoiled. And, and, and Steve has had to come in and try to change that. It's been hard. It's been, as you look at what happened to him, it's, it's an uphill battle with them. Yeah. Like it was for Southern Cal the last four or five years. Right. Right. Blaine. Yeah. They have really struggled with that entitlement. Because they, they're like the, the word we all use is, is soft USC soft. Yes, yes. Which, which, you know, USC back in the day, not only did they have all those skills, Junior but, say but, but, but they guys. had they had attack dogs at every other position, yeah. right? They they were a tough blue collar physical program under Pete Carroll that turned into a program where you go well, USC soft, and BYU beat the heck out of them at the at the line of scrimmage. Yep. Um. And then and then 
in, in terms of coverage, they surprised them by dropping eight, which nobody had done to them, and then beat them up at the line of scrimmage so they couldn't run the ball. And that, that's not supposed to happen at USC, but they were soft. So he, I that, always thought to change that. USC will never be back to a national power until they return to running the football, but then they hired a coach that's not interested in, in really, running in, the football. They're going to just throw it all over the place, and they would get recruits. And the Pac-12 needs USC to be a national story, or, or they are – Nobody easily dismissed. As a kid, as a kid that grew up in New York, Final no, Four. Nobody cares what anybody other than USC and Oregon do in that league. Nobody cares back east. Yeah. So, Dick, do we need to send your brother a fruit basket for allowing you to you commandeer to his song. home? Well, I tell you, this, Dick, <laughs> Dave, and I owe you a round of golf at the Country Club. Yeah, you need to come out and with us. Tell your brother when we said fifteen minutes, what we meant was an hour. An hour, but uh, hey, your credibility uh, helps this show, and we're just glad to have some time with you. Well, thanks. You guys are my favorite people in the world. It's always fun to eat the pregame meal with you and see you guys going through your notes and just trading a couple of uh, thoughts here and there. You guys are the greatest. Good luck with your podcast, your program, your Twitch, everything you do. Hopefully it turns to gold because you guys are golden. Thank you. Thank you, Dick. All right. Hey, we'll see you in the morning. Get some rest. we got a long day tomorrow. See you tomorrow. All right, fellas. Thank you. The great Dick Harmon from the Deseret News. You can read all of his stuff at at Deseret.com. And uh, he has been covering the Cougars longer than any media person in the state of Utah or the other 49 states in the country. And uh, he's trusted. Uh, Ute fans don't really like him. That means he's doing a good job yeah, being a BYU columnist. Because that means he's doing great. He, he, he writes to his audience. That's the, He knows his audience and writes to them. And um, we'll look forward to his coverage tomorrow. And he's always right on the money with his, with his analysis and all that. does a great job. He's a friend of our dad's and, and all that stuff. And so that's awesome. Let's talk about a couple of more football things, and then we'll uh, move to some hoops here in the last uh, 40 minutes of our show. And please keep those uh, uh, messages coming on our live stream. And if you're wondering how to get a message to us, hit the little purple button on your screen there. That'll take you to Twitch. And then you can sign up for free uh, with an account from Twitch, and then all of a sudden you're saying, "Hey, Blaine, I got a question," well, and, and boom, and we're see- and we're seeing your stuff come through. Um, like I, you know, hey, I realized that that Doctor Catch One Thousand did say uh, he said last year BYU not have done that great in the Big Twelve, maybe somewhere in the middle. Yeah, and you know, and Dick said if they would have stayed healthy, because when they were healthy, he felt like they were top four team. I agree with that. But remember, they they lost so many guys, their entire linebacking core down the stretch, so they may have faded at the end of the year. Right. Good news is. They're way deeper this year because of that, because all those youngins had to play. Look at number 96 right there. Chad Lewis is going to join us next week here on this now, program. Make a note of that. A, well, he, he introduced the leap to BYU. Is that K.O. Louie that's block? throwing that block? Oh, my goodness. Look who at are that they block. playing? And who are those guys? That's uh, a block right there. But that is Lewis flying. That looks like Virginia. Is that Virginia? No. Oh. They didn't play Virginia that year, did they? I don't know if they did or not, but uh, – there you see Lewis, and he's uh, over development uh, in the athletic department and um, former Eagle, uh, all-around great guy. And so Chad's going to join us next week, and then Gary Scheide will be on live with yeah, us in two weeks legend. As, uh, as we settle in on the wise guys. we got a graphic to show you. Let's put it up, and we'll roll through tomorrow's media day, yeah. uh, asking, and then we'll move how, to some you, hoops. He said, how do you recommend catching media day is the question. So as we get into this and we, we put the schedule up, what, what's the best what's the best way for people to watch so BYU TV BYUtv.org mm-hmm. you can listen on BYU radio and there's going to be web chats as well DJ do you want to put that up our schedule for there tomorrow uh, next page 11 o'clock Eastern time is when things get going but uh, state of the program is uh, 
at 11. These are all Eastern times. Right, right. So 11 o'clock state of the program. That's kind of when we uh, roll out how things are and, and where they're going. That's uh, dominated by the head coach and his staff, and Jaron Hall will be in that program. But uh, after that, at high noon Eastern time, a two-hour BYU Sports Nation, Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan with interviews all over the place. And you know what I like after that? We're going to watch the BYU-Utah game again with the commercials out from last season. You can't see that game too many times. <laughs> no, and it's, and it's easier knowing the outcome. I don't, I don't know what it is about that. Uh, that game's going to take us up to our one-hour special, A History of Independence. And there's going to be a segment in that show where it's you, me, and Greg Rubel. And mm-hmm. Greg's covered, called every single game of Independence on the radio. And we've been involved in every single game mm-hmm. on the TV side. And we're going to look up some of the big moments and just kind of hang out with everybody and, and reminisce. It's going to be fun. So, yeah, you're, you're, hosting, you're hosting the whole thing, right? Um, yeah, I got the 4.30 and yeah, the 11. And so the 4.30, I'm, I'm in a couple of segments with you on the 4.30 show and then part of the web chats. So. And that's going to be a loaded show. We're going to hear yeah. from, we mentioned Jim McMahon, Ty Detmer, and Steve Young. Now, they weren't playing as an independent, but they watched the program go into independence, mm-hmm. and now they're watching it come out, and we'll have their unique perspective three of the greatest quarterbacks that ever suited up in Provo. And and then uh, Dave Brown. Dave Brown was the ESPN mm-hmm. guy who really made it all possible. And I had a chance to interview him this week. We'll have some of that on why he likes BYU so much. I mean, without ESPN, BYU would have never gone independent. Right. They needed them, and we'll get that. And, and one thing that I think is going to be pretty cool is um, – Zach Wilson's Super 6 memories as an independent. Yeah. I think we could probably name two or three of them right off the bat, but uh, I interviewed him right after the Jets OTAs before he took off um, from camp. And, uh, and he was, man, he's telling me, he's telling me one of these plays, the, the zone cover three, guy went left, this went right. It's almost like it was five minutes ago. And it was a long time ago by Zach Wilson standards because – it's his second year in the NFL. Do you know what? I, I, when I think about Zach, um, I can't think about Zach without going back to the bowl game his sophomore year. Remember, he left after his junior year. Yeah. Which Michigan was it? It's a directional. Western? Eastern. Western. Western. Yeah. <laughs> was it Northeastern? There's Western, a lot of directionals. Southern. Northern. The perfect game in the potato yeah, bowl? Where he – it took me back another number of years to Steve Sarkeesian's Fresno State game, right. his last game of his junior year. What was he, 31 of 34 Yeah, he or something started like off that. and I thought, oh, man. It's like I like I visually saw a light bulb go on over Sark's head, and I thought, okay, he just got it. Like, he gets this. The game just completely slowed down for him, and he's ridiculous right now, and he's going to be unbelievable next year. And then next year was 96. In that Western Michigan game, I saw the same light bulb that came on over Sark's head over Zach's, and I went, oh, man. He just figured this thing out. Like, he's got this. That game just went down to 33 RPMs for him. He's going to be really good next year. And he was. And and so, and here's the interesting thing. Jaron Hall, I didn't see one of those moments last year because he kind of started out the season solid. He wasn't turning the ball over. He was – I was like, whoa. You only had five picks all year. So so Jaron's happened in the offseason last year, and he came ready to play. So he's got a whole season under his belt. And so I'm saying the same thing. I'm going, oh, man, Jaron Hall is going to have a season this year. 
Um, so I'm high, high expectations for Jaron. For the love, would you would you point out that Barbie is, right there is, that well, we've got just yeah, just hanging out on the microphone? Right here. That gets more attention than just about anything we do on this show. And maybe each week we'll move her around to different spots, and you got to like, where's Waldo? It's like, where's the so where's so, the Barbie cheerleader? Doctor Catch asked if we do a watch party for the Utah rebroadcast tomorrow. We we can't because we're working we all can, the shows but that'd be tomorrow. Awesome. That's that, a great that, idea for the that future. Is, that is a good idea for the future, though. And we do have watch parties coming up. Check our calendar. Hey, it's and it's good to hey, Chaplin Brett. Where have you been all show? Like this is the first I've heard from Just you. Just had stuff going on. So, um, and this is this is a great BYU Barbie here. Yeah, so. and we're gonna we're gonna have some watch parties that are gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna do some NFL watch parties too. Yeah, I know there's a game where it's uh, the Jets against the Falcons on a Monday night in the preseason. Algier against Zach. That would be a great yep. watch party yep. for the one quarter at least that that we see these guys. Yep. But how about tomorrow? You know. We asked Dick Harmon this question, and I just think it's going to be interesting because the last decade, this media day has been attached to independence and, well, who are you going to schedule next? How are we going to get games in November? How is BYU going to stay relevant? How is BYU going to compete with recruits when they can't send them to the biggest bowls? You know, you've been there. all these yeah, questions yeah. have dogged them every single year. And Kalani gets to walk in there tomorrow and not have to answer one question about that. Yeah. Well, first of all, it's a P5 schedule again this year. Yeah. And so um, and I, I think people talk about, hey, this is the last year of independence. What do you do to prepare for that? And Kalani's going to go, we don't do anything to prepare for that. We prepare for this season and go out and win. And if they can have another double-digit win season with this schedule again, then they are really ready to move into the Big 12. They're yeah. primed and ready to go. I think I think this year is about about staying healthy. Although I do think they're deeper than they were, but I think Kalani's going to turn the focus back right back around and go. We've been preparing for a long time for the moment to go into the Big Twelve, and we have the schedule this year that's like a Big Twelve schedule. So we're not worried about next year. We're worried about going and executing uh, our our stuff on against this schedule, which is a great schedule. You know, it's kind of strange because a lot of the guys on this team aren't going to the Big Twelve. It's their senior year or their junior year where they hope to be good enough to go on. So their their focus is this season, but a lot of guys are going to the Big 12. Oh, yeah. And um, when that schedule comes out in October, that's going to include Oklahoma and Texas in some form as members of the league for this year, for 23 and and uh, and 24. Mm-hmm. Um, when that schedule drops in October – it might drop, say, the week of the Notre Dame game or oh, the Arkansas yeah. game after that. And then here comes the Big 12. First of all, uh, fans of the wise guys could be out of their minds. Yeah. And, and all Cougar Nation will be just like, oh, my gosh, this is actually happening. Uh, right in the middle of this crunch time of the season, because we know it's coming out in October, that's going to be a lot to balance for these guys. Yeah, it's – BYU and Kalani's done a really good job of keeping the distractions away and just you know it's it's a cliche right hey just do one game at a time, but one thing that BYU maybe does better than most schools in the country they do have a level of maturity where guys can just focus and block stuff out. I don't know whether it's because the number of of uh, um, return missionaries they have the mem- number of married whatever it is. Um, these last couple years, especially, they've done a phenomenal job of of staying focused and not letting all the outside stuff get to them and focus game to game. Yeah. And even when they've had significant injuries, they've done a great job of focusing in and having the new guys step in and do a good job. And, and so I, I think there's going to be a lot going on. We're going to have a lot of fun with it. The fans are going to have a lot of fun with it. I think football is just going to go, 
Yeah, we got Arkansas next week. Yeah, we got Notre Dame next week. And the fun thing for them is, is they've got to get into a grind mentality because it's not like the old days when you had one big game to get ready for, like you were talking to Jim McMahon about today. Yeah. This is like you got a big game every week. So you better be businesslike and take care of your stuff every single week. You can't get too high for Notre Dame because – because you got Arkansas and you got Oregon and you got like and Boise State and Boise on the State road. and yeah and Utah State who's going to be really good like it's just yeah it's, it's there's no fun. no time to look ahead or look back you you've got to focus each game so hey I I got I have to point this out though all right so I just I called out Chaplin Brett because he's always on right and he's always contributing and and I say where, where have you been this is the first time I've heard from you so then he says. It's the first day of summer semester. I was having dinner with the family with my headphones in. <laughs> so so he couldn't contribute on chat, but he, but he was, with was us. listening. He was, with us. We could he was at you. dinner with his family with his headphones in. <laughs> Chaplain Brett, that's big time right you there. You know what? You know what my wife does? She'll put those earbuds in, and then her hair's long enough it covers her ears. Yeah. And she'll act like she's fully engaged in a conversation with me about like something I'm interested in, like what we're going to do on this show. And then I realized the whole time she's listening, she's listening. to something yeah, else. Absolutely. So, hey, and we're grateful to, to all of you that, that are here with us early on. We're, we're just getting this thing going. And uh, we're going to remember the, the guys that have been here, uh, not just the guys, because I'm from New York, so everybody's guys, right? Yeah, that's, so that, that covers everything. That, that's, that's gender neutral, right? But uh, for all of the, those of you that have been with here from the beginning, we're going to remember that you were here with us in the early days, and we're going to grow this thing so it's huge and, and covers the globe. But uh, but we're never going to forget those that were with us here early on and uh, and helped us get this thing going. And our podcast is up, and uh, this show will be up tomorrow. Uh, all our shows that we've done, this is our fifth one, so the other four are available there on the podcast. And and that uh, podcast is cool because uh, you know, like Diane can only <laughs> she can only take a couple minutes of me at a time. But a podcast, you can just stop, regroup. An hour later, you can listen to some more. So in a week's time, you can get she can get through the whole show. Yeah, that's that's how you do it, and just just so people understand the relationship you have with Diane. So, <laughs> so yesterday yeah, they have a great relationship, great understanding. Yesterday I was supposed to have a dinner meeting um, at six o'clock, and I found out that that just before that that I didn't have the dinner meeting, and so I called Dave at quarter to six, and I was at BYU TV and, right and, and some and stuff I, and for said, tomorrow, and I said Dave, I was supposed to have a dinner meeting tonight, but now I don't, and Brenda's gone. So at the zoo, no, she she was at the zoo with the kids. I said, if we can get down to the country club in the next fifteen minutes, they can get us out and we can go play. And what did I say? He didn't even hesitate. (laughs) I said, I'll meet you there. I'll meet you there. (laughs) And he beat me to the club. I'm like, what did you tell Diane? He says, I called her and I just said, hey, Blaine wants to play golf. And she said, yeah, you should. She knew we needed some time. You know, it's like we don't have enough time together. She knew we needed. Our wives are angels that let us get away with that. They are, and we were going to live stream the golf, but we couldn't figure it out. But uh, Jack showed us. How to do that? So next time we're on the 18th hole, we may just pop on with the wise guys. And, and our, guy, our guys and are saying they want, they want founders T-shirts limited edition. That's a great idea. Yeah, founders T-shirts limited edition. So we have to we'll have to put our heads together on that one. Let's talk some hoops for a couple minutes. Yeah. There's a lot of things going on with basketball, and I know everyone's usually after football questions we get. So what's going on with uh, with Pope? What's going on with the team? Uh, since we were last together, BYU uh, landed a. Guard from Arkansas in the portal, Jackson Robinson, 6'6", 185 pounds. He went into the portal after one season with the Razorbacks. Played his first year at A&M, former four-star shooting guard coming out of high school. I had a chance to meet him on his BYU TV tour, 
and uh, and his family. And uh, sharp young guy, still looking for an opportunity. He didn't get the minutes at A&M, and he didn't get them at Arkansas. Those are two pretty good ball basketball programs, and, and BYU's got a spot for him. And interestingly, two SEC schools yeah. to start with. And SEC's a really good basketball conference. Uh, and uh, he looks like a really nice fit for BYU. Very athletic. And, and BYU, the kind of offense and defense BYU likes to run, they like to go small a little bit, but they like to have those big wings. And he's a six six wing that can play the two or the three um, and give you some athleticism. Uh, he can handle the ball, finish at the rim, shoot. So he's not, he's a nice addition. They, they have multiple guys like that now, yeah. which is good. Still need a big guy. But they... And we've we've met some of the big guys on on campus. We can't say their names until they're official, like 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 uh, Jackson is. But uh, before it's all said and done, I will not be surprised. And maybe it's not until July that uh, that we hear some news coming out of there that they signed a you know six nine six ten six eleven guy because we've seen some of those guys on campus. And this Robinson kid's going to have three years of eligibility, which is nice. So they yeah. think about it. He transfers in, and they recruit him thinking this is a guy that can play in the Big Twelve. So, so that's why that's why he's going to be there, and certainly a four star shooting guard coming out. So you know, play play the two coming out of high school, highly rated, um, really nice skill set. And sometimes it's it's getting them an opportunity to to play, and it's also putting them in a situation where they're comfortable with what the kind of offense is being run and all that. And those are all the discussions they have. So, so he's coming to BYU, and and he's going to be a nice addition along with the with the others that they've recently signed basketball um, guru jeff goodman tweeted out that uh, robinson's quote a nice addition for mark pope and the cougars and remember they got a commitment from from Braden moore the the six eight power forward so that that's a freshman that's going to be a freshman. freshman coming in that i think we'll we'll see some um uh, remember he had offers i'm not just recruit offers from kansas wisconsin nebraska arizona state houston san diego state and auburn so so that's that's a big, big, big time recruit, um, and uh, I, you know, so you got a little bit of size there. I still think they need a veteran big if they add that to the roster. Then I'm feeling really good about it. You add that to Spencer John, Spencer Johnson, who I think will take a big step forward. Um, Foose Traore, um, Atiki uh, Ali Atiki, Trevin Nell, who I think is going to be a great shooter. It's got to be. Year. It's got to be. Trey Stewart is a guy that I think people are – he's going to take a huge step forward. Last year was a kind of get back and get it going year, and this year you're going to see his athleticism on the guard line. And Gideon George, yeah. who we weren't really sure about but now we're sure about, is going to be back. I, I kind of like that, um, but but I would like to see a third big guy to go with Foose and with the Tiki. Um, maybe a guy that can go out at maybe 6'9", six, 6'10", six, that can force teams to go out and defend the perimeter, that can also go out and defend the perimeter – if not, we're going to be a running and gunning squad yeah. of a bunch of six eight guys looking for some size. If they don't find yeah. it, then then they then they play aggressive and press and do some other things, right? As for the schedule, Mark Pope reminded us this past week that BYU is going to the Bahamas over Thanksgiving, and a lot of folks that uh, might have slipped their mind with everything else, but they're going to go to Paradise Island in the battle for Atlantis. But listen to these teams: Kansas, Butler, North Carolina State, Wisconsin, Tennessee, Dayton, and USC. They're going to play three of those. And uh, when we're talking about, hey, I, what are you going to do for strengthening the schedule? He goes, uh, we're going to the Bahamas, yeah. and it's not a vacation. <laughs> Absolutely. And not. Kansas may be number one at the time. We know Gonzaga is going to be right there throughout the, throughout the year. But, um, and you got, you got the Big 12 and the Big 10 and the Atlantic 10 and the SEC and the Pac-12. Pac 12, yeah. All represented there. And, uh, <clears throat> and don't sleep on Dayton. Right. You know, they, 
They they don't have that's Obi. gonna be tough to yeah, get. They don't have Obi. Win. They don't have Opie Toppin like they did a couple <laughs> years ago. I, I I still think, and I mentioned this before, Dayton was the biggest uh, loser because of COVID. Yeah. Because because they had and and that, remember that year I covered that league for NBC. I remember BYU was going to be really good. BYU was really good that year, and yeah. I think that they lost in yeah. a big big way. But Dayton had first team All American and National Player of the Year um, candidate Obi Toppin. Right. And then they had uh, uh, Jalen Crutcher at guard, another NBA guy. Dayton doesn't get two NBA guys. And and they were winning the Atlantic 10, and they were going to be a number one seed. And I thought they had a legit shot at winning a national championship or playing in a Final Four. And that doesn't happen very often at Dayton. And you think, oh, you know, the pandemic hurt a lot. N- nobody hurt worse than Dayton by the pandemic. So that's that's a good program. And that and, and when you look at that, you think, oh, Dayton's probably the worst no, they're good. There's no, yeah. there's no easy games in no. that thing. No, and I think, uh, I think BYU would be the underdog in that field. Yeah, they probably would uh, against all those guys. Uh, Idaho State last night rolled out their schedule, mm-hmm. and by doing that, announced BYU's home opener. Right, right. Uh, the Bengals and Colby Lee will come to Provo on Monday, November seventh, and open up the season. So that's how the Cougars will go, and that'll be on BYU TV for sure. And so. We'll look forward to seeing Colby back and uh, getting basketball started. They start, It seems like earlier and earlier every year, because there will be some exhibition games, too, right. that we'll show. But November 7th, we still have, what, a whole month of football games. Yeah, that's that, that month of November and December, early December for you and I, mo- November, that's our crazy month, right? That's that's when you and I are doing football on Saturdays and basketball all you – know, that our crossover season when it just seems like we're doing and games. Then, and then you throw in Thanksgiving – Yep. It's just a wonderful time. So my year. question is, so if we go <clears throat> we go and we originate the show from Atlantis in the Bahamas, <laughs> um, we do a live stream from there, then can we write off that trip? It seems like we should be able to, but we'll have Jack, to get... what do you think? Can we write off... Can we take our whole crew right here on the road? We'll write the whole thing off. Absolutely. And, and I feel like anybody that comes with us, as long as they, as long as they participate, they could probably write off the trip. you got a lot of great ideas tonight. <laughs> so. I think that's great. Somehow we'll have to get back for Countdown... Before the Stanford game. Yeah, we could do that. On that Saturday night, but I think we could work we it all in. We can make it all work. So Also on that basketball schedule, Creighton in Las Vegas. Creighton's top five. They right. keep adding guys. San Diego State on the road. Right. We're talking about the last blast before the Big 12. This schedule is coming together. It's going to be highly competitive. And we were talking, we hope that that San Diego State-BYU rivalry in basketball stays alive. Yeah. It's been it's been so good for both programs. The two programs have such respect for one another that dates back to to Steve Fisher and Dave Rose going at one another for all of those years, and and uh, and now with Dutch with Brian Dutcher and with Mark, um, just so much respect there. And two good programs that it's not a bad game, win or lose, it's not a bad game for it's your strength and schedule. I hope that one stays on BYU schedule as much as they can get it. That's a great rivalry. One of the stories that got on our radar this week out of Provo is the Cougar Tail yes. is the top-selling concession. And I read in the Deseret News, the Cougar Tail, that 16-inch maple bar, the number one selling concession in nationwide collegiate concessions. They sell on average 5,000 every football game. That's crazy. And if you stack that up in the articles it pointed out, it'd be taller than six Eiffel Towers. That's a lot of Cougar Tails. And it's trademarked. So, you know, another school can't just go, Hey, we're going to do cougar tails. So my question is, Does do you guys eat a whole cougar tail? I don't even like the cougar. I, I put chocolate on there instead, instead of, of maple, maple, and you got me in. If 
But I'm not going there. I'm not going there for me. I be, I don't know if you remember when we were doing promotional shoot. Um, I had a piece where I had to take a bite out of a cougar tail. Yeah. yeah. And and I was getting it right, but everybody else in the thing wasn't getting it right. So we <laughs> had to do about 20 takes. By the time I took my 20th bite of that thing, I couldn't do it anymore. It's hey, remember, too, it's too much. Remember, Bowlesby came to town to take his tour of BYU, yep. and we asked him about. Uh, the cougar tail that that he was served up the night before we were on BYU Sports Nation. Mm-hmm. He goes, yeah, halfway through, and I was done. Yeah, it's it's a lot. He couldn't he didn't it's go. But number one, how about that idea? Let's get a sixteen inch thing, slap some maple on it, call it a cougar tail. It's number one in the country. Number one in the country. Yep. And I've never had one, and I'm never going to eat one. Five thousand a game. Yeah. I think five thousand cougar tails could feed sixty thousand people. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm against eating a 16-inch donut. I'm just saying I'm not going to eat it with maple on it. Uh, Cosmo in the Park, that's been pretty popular. Cosmo's going to be at Harvey Park over in Cedar Hills, Utah, tomorrow morning, Wednesday, from 10 to 11. So while we're doing all media day, Cosmo's going to be over there. School's not in session, so bring the kids out and go see them. Take pictures and probably teach you some dance moves. Uh, But we've been passing that on. The last one they had last week, um, I saw the pictures of that. Well attended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fans yeah. love Cosmo. That's Kids awesome. love him. One of the great mascots and well recognized across the country. Ever since that dance thing with the Cougarettes, very popular. Here's so. something that that you could you could do um, where I would not. Uh, the national anthem opening auditions, Friday, July 8th at the Marriott Center, from nine in the morning until five at night. It's first come first serve. So if you want to sing the national anthem, like at a football game or a basketball game, this is the day you come and try out. And try to get on the list. So if you're if you're a singer, July eighth, a Friday at the Marriott Center, that national anthem is is a death wish for a singer because we all know the words. So if you miss one, yeah, you're on YouTube having missed and, one and or two. Everybody knows what the notes are supposed to be, and it's a hard song to sing. Yeah, greatest ever, Whitney Houston, yeah. Tampa Bay Super Bowl. Yeah, and we don't. And was that recorded? No. Was that recorded before? That was live, and she killed it. I don't want to ruin it, but I'm just saying she did kill it. But but I cringe when when you're on social media and someone says, National Anthem, and you just know it's on there because it went terribly wrong. And then you watch it because you have to, and then, and then you just go, who would sign up for this? I know, it's not an easy thing. A I, lot of people do. But Whitney Houston's rendition, um, oh, Fergie? Fergie at the NBA Finals? Is that you, Jack, or is that you, DJ? That's DJ. DJ come on. DJ, our, our, disc, our disc jockey, Went is saying Fergie? Fergie at the NBA Finals. She didn't even hit a single note right. <laughs> it was her own the, version. The, the, beauty, the beauty of Whitney Houston's was that she kept it simple yeah. and do, didn't do a bunch of crazy runs and just nailed it. Yeah. And then the fighter jets flew over right at the right time. It was spectacular. And it was it was unbelievable. And then they made a recording of it and it sold like it went platinum. Here's so, the thing about those fighter jets and the national Fergie anthem. at the NBA finals. Come on. Like at Stadium of Fire, at Stadium of Fire the 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 person singing the anthem, and I believe it's Marie Osmond this year, which would be awesome. Yeah. Um anyway, she's got to finish, she or he's got to finish on time. Because the Jets are coming. The Jets aren't going to wait. They're just coming. And if you're singing slow, the Jets are going to come over midway through your song. But you want it to be, you're done, Jets come, because then the whole stadium lights up with fireworks. But that's a precision thing. It's so a like, lot of pressure. It's like you don't have a live band. So you have a click track. So you know exactly how long. Yeah. This, like, Marie's going to sing it live. 
but the accompaniment is recorded. So you know it's exactly however, three minutes and 37 seconds. Do you remember one year, um, I think the attorney general was giving the prayer and he took too long oh. and they, they ended, they cut his mic. You got to do that. They ended it because it's like, dude, the, the jets are coming. And, and so I, I sat there and I go, it's all about timing. That's why if you see the host come out, he's all stressed out. Because he knows this show has to be on time. Yes. Because the Jets are coming, and when the Jets come, it's just it's just hey, awesome. Think, think about it. When we do a basketball game or a football game, it's time to the minute, like to the second of what time we hit the air and do all of that. And so the people that give the prayers and all that, that's right right to the minute. I think they have a shoulder tapper. I think they do because sometimes that, that, like if people the prayer get goes, it. they just tell them, listen, it needs to be one minute and 22 seconds or whatever. If you go over that, we're going to tap you on the shoulder. You need to get out. <laughs> So if you if you hear someone at the stadium giving the prayer, then all of a sudden they just end it. No, they got the yep. shoulder tab. Yep. Uh, like last year when the Jets came over for the Utah game, mm -hmm. uh, the anthem had ended, and the Jets were a little bit late, or the anthem was a little bit hurried, and so there was a pause. And so then it was like, are they coming or are they not? We were on the air, yeah. and then they flew right over our head and just lit the place up. And and they, it was so awesome. But it caught everyone by surprise because they'd relaxed going, well, are the Jets coming or are they not? And then, and there was a, there was a BYU grad. I'm trying I'm trying to. And they um, went. Here's how they they were so low. They set off all the car alarms at Riverside Country Club. That's so, when you know the Jets have buzzed the state. So Clark Heyman, F-15 pilot out of Hill Air Force Base, yeah. a BYU grad, um, flew uh, with with that group that came over. They came in hot. And I said to him. Is there like a hard deck that you're not supposed to go below? Because it seemed like you went below that. And he goes, uh, "I refuse to answer that question." Yeah. That's they, why I, we don't even bring it up. They, they came, but but Heyman Clark. So there you go. BYU grad was leading that that group up, and uh, and flew those jets over the University of Utah. Sorry about that. My wife's a Canadian. I'd be banned from the house if I didn't like maple. Oh yeah. In reference to there's those a, there's a big tails. discussion going on in the chat about maple and what a good flavoring yeah, it is. I just and, like and chocolate. you prefer chocolate. I just so. don't like that. So. Uh, BYU MC auditions. This is for on-court talent, like during timeouts when you come give stuff out, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's on the field or on the court. Uh, that's underway, too. So send those inquiries to sportsmarketing at byu.edu. And uh, the kids have a lot of good time. They come down, and you get to work the crowd and, and do all that stuff. I you don't think, get to be on our broadcast, but you're working. The, this is the in-house job. I was thinking about in commercials I would get up from the, the date, our, our spot and then go out and MC and then come back. Yeah, yeah. What a lot of times, you know, how, we're how did, on when wait, that's going on. How does it pay? That's my I question. <laughs> I don't know, but you should you should get on to uh, sports marketing at byu.edu yep. and find out. And the kids that do it have a have a great yep. time. Have fun with that. So that's some of the buzz that's going on. Stanley Cup Finals. Tampa Bay won a game, so it's two to one. Game four is tomorrow. At uh, is it game? Yeah, it's tomorrow night at six. Colorado. Do you have? Or do you have uh, Tampa Bay? You know, I, I kind of wanted the Rangers and Tampa Bay eliminated them. I think that's a pretty much of a toss-up. Okay. Uh, and the Knights aren't in it, so. I'm just going Colorado because they're close. Chad Lewis is going to be here next week. Not only is he a former All-American tight end, he's also the Associate Athletic Director over Development, including the Cougar Club. So get your questions ready about tickets and why you'd want to be in the Cougar Club, what benefits come. We're going to talk about the Eagles. We're going to talk about the mm -hmm. Flying Leaps that he introduced as a player and Ch Chad, whatever else you want Chad to talk about. That's next is week. Is my memory, Chad caught the game winning touchdown in the, in the NFC championship game 
and broke his foot. He caught two touchdowns in that game, right. and the second one is the one where he tore his. It was a Liz Frank, yeah, and did, and wasn't able to play. In the and Super they Bowl. missed the Super Bowl. And he he got him there, yeah. and then he didn't get to play. And so we'll talk. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that high high yeah. point in his. That's too bad in his career. And, and, you know, some people, um, you talk about man when they come into the room, they just suck all the energy out of the room. Chad Lewis is a guy that when he comes into the room, he brings it. He brings energy. He he injects energy into the room. He'll he'll. He'll be here next week. We're so excited to have Chad. And, and we'd love for you to ask questions. So yeah. hit the, again, hit that purple thing at your bottom of your screen. Sign up for a Twitch account, which is free. And then you can stream with us wherever you're at on the planet. And uh, Chad Lewis, and then two weeks from tonight, the great Gary Shady, the man who started it all, yep. will be with us. He's fishing in Minnesota, and we'll have some pictures. He sent me pictures of it. the fish are bigger than I am. Yeah, that they're pulling in. I don't know if it's photoshopped. I don't know if they're real fish. No, those are real. But we're going to show them, and and it'll be more than a fish story with Gary Shady in a couple of weeks. We, we were talking to Giff Nielsen last night, Elder Nielsen. Do we call him Giff Nielsen or Elder Nielsen? Well, I was talking to him, and I said sometimes I call you Giff because I went to a fireside when I was like ten, and you were the BYU quarterback, so then you became Giff. But uh, you know, when we have ties on, that's Elder. So, Nielsen. so that's the question. So Giff and I have been friends for a long, long time. When I see him, I call him Giff, and then I think, oh, should I be calling him Elder Nielsen? Like, what about Vi? Like, Vi and I are old buddies, so I call Vi Elder Sigahema? I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. I, I think we, <laughs> Vi, Vi texted me the other day going, I want to go to lunch with you and Blaine. And we're like, you know, you can slum with us anytime. Yes. It's, it's not our street cred that's uh, being affected. No, he gets it. We bring him it's way you. down when he goes to lunch with us. A <laughs> couple other notes we skipped through on football, and then we're going to do this day in history. we got yep. 10 minutes left in the show. i got a question for you. Okay. Um, Cole Hagen, yeah, the, the older brother of four-star recruit Cody, Cody, Cody Hagen, brother, right. transferring to BYU as a preferred walk-on from Yale. He's trading one Y logo quarterback. for the other one. Uh, he broke the news. Cody actually broke the news to Ben Criddle on his radio show here mm-hmm. locally. So Cole finished his church mission, decided BYU was a place for him. He's 6'2", 180. When he was over at Corner Canyon, I don't even remember it. Yeah. He went 28-0, won yeah. two state titles, threw for over 7,000 yards, and 80 touchdowns, and he ran for 20. The state Gatorade Player of the Year, hardly recruited by anybody. Harvard, Yale, Utah Tech, and Weber State. That's it. So now he comes to BYU. Is that a big deal? I think it's a good deal. And and we'll see how much his arm strength and all that has developed um, as he's matured a little bit. But but 6'2", that's the, right there the around fact, with the Finnegan fact, and The and fact Conover. that he's, he had opportunities at Harvard and Yale, you can't even get into those places unless you're brilliant, right? right. Yeah. And um, and they have some pretty high-level quarterback play in, in that league. Um, he had a tremendous amount of set success in high school. And in, and we were talking to Gifford Nielsen about depth last night. And I, I finally feel like BYU's back where they need to be. And so you add him to that quarterback room. He's going to challenge pe- people intellectually. There'll be Fennigan in there right. and Conover because Hagan's going to gray shirt, join right. the, enroll in the fall, join the team in January. Um, and then he's got four years. Right. Uh, and if, if Hall were to leave, then there's at least three guys and whoever else they have. And, he, and he'll, he'll push those. I, I love that quarterback room right there with those three. I feel like with those three, they're going to find a guy – that can step in if Hall leaves after this next year, uh, that can continue uh, the level of excellence that they're they're coming accustomed to. And I kind of love it. I love the fact that I'm kind of I'm feeling like the old days at BYU where you know what? They're they're so good up front. They've got great receivers. The concepts are great. Aaron um, Roderick is calling the plays. They're giving people opportunities. And if you get the ball out at the right time, 
to in the right spot. Um, uh, and, and you read defenses and take what the defenses gives, you can have success here. And these guys that they're recruiting have great arms. They're smart. Um, and, and they're preparing them to go play in the NFL. I think BYU is big time back in the quarterback business for, for a lot of years now. Cody Hagan, four-star recruited receiver. He's going to serve his mission to San Bernardino, California, and, uh, and then enroll in school. And we'll see him yeah, during he, BYU's second season in the Big 12. He, I feel about him like I felt about – Puka Nakua. I was disappointed when Puka went to Washington, but I was really excited when he came back. And you saw yeah. what he could do. He's going to be ridiculous this year. Keep him healthy. I feel I feel the same way about about Hagen as a wide receiver. Like he's great speed, good size, goes and tracks the ball. He's going to be a really good wide receiver. Hagen will be back the same year as Colin Chandler returns to mm-hmm. basketball. Mm-hmm. Year two. Two big-time big recruits. Two big-time recruits. Offensive lineman Clark Barrington uh, named this week preseason first-team All-American by Phil Steele. 6'6", 302, BYU's first preseason All-America, first team honoree since Kyle Van Noy in 2013. He's No Blake Freeland on that, and, and people are going, hey, he's going top five yeah, in well, the overall draft. If he plays the way he could play, he could be a first-round draft pick. Yeah. And, and, and Barrington's an NFL guy as well. Um, had a little bit of surgery in the offseason to, to fix some shoulders, and he looks like he's going to be in great shape and ready to roll. Really athletic, great feet, strong, but but I think the thing that sets Clark Barrington apart, he's just a big nasty dude. Like he's mean yeah. and and nicest guy you ever want to talk to. But you get him out between those get white that lines, helmet on. and he just dominates people across from him. And he's got great feet. We can get out in front of sweeps and run downfield and bury linebackers and defensive backs. Um, he's got great feet to pass protect, and he's really smart in there. So and then then Campbell's younger brother played a bunch as a freshman. Yeah. Campbell Barrington, he's going to be good. Um, and and LaChance is going to be healthy. Well, like and Dick Carmen told us, 10 right? guys. Yeah, right? it's, they're so deep. And and Clark Barrington is a great leader, and uh, and that's that's a great recognition to be preseason All-American. Very deserving. He's got the physical skills, and he's got the leadership to to help mold that group into one of the top in the country. I think BYU's got a top, top five offensive line in the country this year. Tampa Bay tight end Rob Gronkowski announced his retirement today. In what ways are BYU's tight ends, Isaac Rex and Dallin Holker, like Gronk? Nobody's like Gronk. <laughs> because here's the thing. Gronk runs like Dallin Holker, and, and he's bigger than Isaac Rex. He, he's a one of a kind. Has he, did he change that he changed position? The game. He changed the game. And, and what people will, won't remember is that Gronk and his brother were playing fullback and tight end for that Arizona team that BYU played in the Las Vegas Bowl down there. Yeah. And, uh, and that was... That's a game Jan Jorgensen played in. We talked about Jan earlier today. It's a game that Kellen, um, my oldest son, set the all-time Las Vegas Bowl record for tackles in. And the reason he set that was because they were throwing the ball to the Gronks every play. Yeah. And then the safety had to come up and make and make the play. I've never seen him more sore after a game, after running and chasing Gronk around all night and trying to tackle that gigantic monster. So well, Gronk's retired. We wish him well, and he'll stay retired until Tom Brady calls him. Yeah, up. if Tom says come back and play, he'll come back and play. June twenty-one, this day in history. You ready? Yep. We'll roll out with uh, with where we were, where we've been. Okay. Seventeen eighty-eight on this day, the U.S. Constitution takes effect when New Hampshire becomes the ninth ninth state to ratify it. Nice job, New Hampshire. There you go. When has New Hampshire ever done anything that caused the rest of the country to take notice outside of this? Well, that was their big moment, 1788. <laughs> they seized it. <laughs> 1893, the first Ferris wheel opens in Chicago. Was it safe? 
Did OSHA take a look at it? I don't it? know if there was an OSHA. <laughs> so, but I'm sure. 1893, the Ferris wheel. Wow. That's a long time ago. It's a great concept. 1913, uh, Tiny Broadwick becomes the first woman to parachute from an airplane. We don't know exactly why she jumped off, but she parachuted from the airplane. In 1913, the first woman to do it. And was Tiny her first given name? That's my question. That's, that's, that's all I could find. <laughs> I, who jumps out of an airplane in 1913? Not me. I, I don't jump At out least of on one purpose. Now. That's why crazy. Why would you jump out of a perfectly good airplane? I don't know. 1939, Lou Gehrig retires from the Yankees. His health condition is named Lou Gehrig's disease. That's when he called attention to it on this day in 1939. Yeah. One of the great uh, Yankees. Yep. All time. 1984, Columbia Records unveils its first phonograph on vinyl. What? That sounds like it would be like 1954, not 1984. Why does it say 84? 84? Because my receptionist who typed this, actually I typed it. I think it's 1954. You're your own receptionist? <laughs> By the way, we don't call them that anymore. They're admin assistants. When it's yourself, you can call yourself a receptionist. Okay, you, yeah, okay. You're your own I'm receptionist. Because I'm not going to. You're your own receptionist. I'm not going to go to my own HR okay. and complain about it. It's, okay. just, it's just me. Uh, that changed music. You know, yeah. people start buying records. Uh, and I know that was, I think it was 54 on that one. Sorry about that. Number one song on this day, 1966, Paperback Writer mm -hmm. by the Beatles. The number one movie on this day in 1980. Oh, yeah. That's when we found yeah, out that uh, yeah. was Luke. Vader was uh, Luke's Vader father. Vader was Luke's dad. Yeah. In, in 80, we found that out. And I watched that the other day, and um, that scene, as revealing as it was at the time, was so stupid. <laughs> you know, it's just like, first of all... Uh, Vader's, you know, Vader's acting his thing. And, and I, Luke Hamill, I think he was, I think he's not my favorite actor in that role. <laughs> but anyway, they're going back and forth. And the, the graphics, you know, we're spoiled because we live in 2022. Right, right. But so I'm watching that going, man, back at the time, that was like a revelation. No, Luke. Yeah, <laughs> I no. am your father. <laughs> that changed all of our lives. Um, birthdays today, Chris Pratt. I like Chris Pratt. But not not a huge fan of his newest movie because I, I don't think... Oh, yeah, that review is seconds not, away. Not, not my favorite. Brandon Flowers of the Killers. Like Brandon, lo today. lots of ties to BYU and oh, yeah. everything. Yeah, Brandon. And uh, Prince William having a birthday yeah, today. There you go. Over there in England. All right, for the, our are today's... Are we human or are we dancer? That's what Brandon Flowers asked. You know, the last time I met, I was with the Flowers, we were at a school event, and she, his wife, was getting her hair shaved, her head shaved, mm -hmm. to um, donate hair to... Uh, there's a name for it, but I can't remember it. But anyway, they donate hair to cancer victims, mm -hmm. and um, and she was leading the charge at their school. and And I remember talking to Brandon before this was all to happen, and he was just like, "She's going to do what she's going to do." That's awesome and uh, yeah. amazing, oh. amazing couple. Yep. Uh, all right, before our Lavelle quote to finish up, a movie review today presented by Blaine Fowler, and it was the Jurassic Park. Is this the finale? This is the new. This is the newest one. I don't know. They could make another one. And I don't think there's a. I think it's been out enough where you can talk about it. Yeah. So so, I don't know. I just the storyline just wasn't as good as as some some of the other ones. The bad guys weren't bad enough. The good guys are always good anyhow. The the they brought all the characters back. Yeah, Did that work? The special effects were good. I kind of like the you know Laura Dern and uh, oh I can't remember his name but. The one guy. Yeah, that, that they rekindled an old romance, and that was kind of cute. But my problem was I had just seen Maverick the week before, yeah, and it was so good. 
And so. All right. It doesn't sound like you're going thumbs up on that. Yeah. I, I had heard some I'm bad reviews. I'm going thumbs sideways. Sideways? It's just kind of okay. It's entertaining, but it's not as good as I want. The original one was fascinating because the concept yeah. was yeah. great. The uh, the graphics at the time were state of the art, yeah. and the music was awesome. Like the, here's here's my review. and and, and uh, Newman was in it. Yeah, Newman. That's right, <laughs> Newman. Um, here's my here's all you need to know. Like I've already seen Maverick twice. If one of you guys wants me to go see it again with you, I'm in. Absolutely. I don't need to go see Jurassic Park again. So right. there you go. That's all I need to know. All right, here's our quote from the great Lavelle Edwards as we finish every show. Locks of love. Thank you. That was the group that. Uh, yep, thanks, Mike. That does that all over the country. Um, Mike's just me. Mikey's just me. That's who said that, right? Locked of love. Locked, locks, locks of love. Locks of love. Yeah. All right. Uh, from the great Lavelle Edwards. Oh, you want to read it? Why don't you take us out? Yep. So, in my career, I've had many wonderful things happen to me, many more than I ever dreamed would ever happen. But I would like for you young brethren especially to know that all that has happened to me in, in my chosen profession is a mere drop in the bucket compared to the truly important things in my life. The testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ that I have, along with my wife and my family, are my most important possessions. The great Lavelle Edwards, yep. uh, whose name is on the stadium. And uh, and he lived that. I'll tell you what, yeah. he lived that. His priorities were always in, uh, in, in the right place, that's for sure. And that's what he taught everybody that played for him. Our podcast is going to drop tomorrow. We're going to get some rest because we've got all day tomorrow on BYU TV with Football Media Day. Right. We're looking forward to it. Hey, Mike Z, just me. I got it right now. Don't worry. He's, he, he sent me the phonetic because I said it wrong. Thanks, Mike. Mike Z, just me. Okay, tell your friends. Uh, let's try to we're, – we're building this large global live stream of BYU fans all over the world. Um, we'd love to have you on Twitch so you can interact with us. Or just watch YS Guys. Dot com. Uh, we're building. We're having a good time. Yep. Week five. Today yep. ends week five. We appreciate every one of you. Five weeks from today, the season premiere of After Further Review, Tyler Algiers' Crazy. Run Into History. Yep, it's going to be a fun one. We're getting closer. We'll see you tomorrow morning, bright and early on BYU TV. We'll see you throughout social media through the week and right back here next Tuesday for more Wise Guys live from our undisclosed location in Provo. Somewhere in Provo. Jeff Blaine Fowler, Dave McCann, our crew over here. Thanks for hanging out with us. Jack Jackson and DJ. See you in a few happen. days. Making it happen.